Welcome to the I Will Come to Fight podcast, um, episode 11. My guest this week is Mr. Jack Winiarski. How are you doing, Jack? Yeah, not too bad. How are you doing yourself, mate? Yeah, good, man. Good. Good. Um, your recent fight at Battle Arena, when, what was it, October? No, hey, no? Uh, I was about to say the 8th of October, but... Um, funny story about this one it actually got rearranged to the ninth uh i don't know if you remember because of the fire that happened at uh, bingley hall yeah uh so yeah sunday 9th of october in the end it was originally supposed to be saturday 8th that uh screwed up my holidays at work i'll tell you that but uh yeah no it's ninth of october what a fight how do you feel about that fight um to be honest the way i feel about it, it's actually a bit different to how it's been said i remember i spoke to chris at the event chris simux if you met him uh from combat sports uk yeah he said the same things as you just shout said out there. to chris yeah shout out to chris combat sports great great place chris um, if you want to come on the podcast please 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 do <laughs> <laughs> already getting the plugs in early doors um but yeah no i spoke to him uh not long after and he said the exact same things as you obviously i i appreciate it my um my own feedback on the fight is that I th- obviously I'm happy to have got the result, but I feel like I could have done better. I think uh, a few things happened preparing for that fight that um, maybe didn't go my way. and I didn't really come in there possibly as confident, as in shape as I might have been able to. Uh, but at the same time, showed a lot in there at the same, you know, showed a lot in there. Uh, had a lot of good moments, had a couple of bad moments. But uh, at the end of the day, it's a great learning experience, which is what we're doing it for at uh, amateur level. What would you do differently in the preparation for the fight? Um, so I had a couple of uh, I had a couple of weird ones. Uh, so I had a few problems with my shoulders. Uh, so last year, last year after about March, I don't know if you remember Melissa. I think it was against Danielle Mistelli, her second fight on GTFP. It was last March. Yes, I went to that one and at that event because I know Lewis was supposed to be fighting. Uh, me and me and Jamal just happened to run into like James and Melissa. Uh, going going towards the event we carried a few things with them and James asked me if I wanted to fight and I was like yeah obviously I'd love to if you think I'm ready I'm ready uh, we were walking to the event uh, from there I was basically training with the intention to fight from March onwards so that was basically from March to October you're talking seven months of pretty much non-stop like going as much as I could obviously within reason and you know you just pick up injuries it's the nature of what we do and there were a few times um I just my shoulders just kept separating a little bit like wouldn't call it full dislocation but a lot of partial partial dislocations um suffered it on my left uh particularly my right shoulder which is annoying because that's actually my dominant side as well so being right-handed suffering problems with your right shoulder I wasn't too confident um in potentially throwing you know harder shots um not only that but uh me and uh me and Garon one sparring session accidentally uh opened up a cut sort of um on my eyebrow complete accident but it, it just meant I couldn't spar pretty much um, I remember when it happened we both kind of just started laughing like what are the odds like how how has that happened uh, so I got that sort of glued together and it was just a bit touch and go it was about a month before the event but from there you know you spent about a month not sparring basically just doing cardio that had its benefits but it also meant I wasn't as sharp as I wanted to be really yeah um, and actually during the fight what what do you think you could have done better if you're not too happy with it because I, I think I thought it was, it was a phenomenal first round and then you really showed your strength your your, your conditioning your cardio you're also your mental discipline mm. um in the second and third round of the fight I think I think I could have been more comfortable with my hands a bit uh so there's a way there's a way I like to spar but it's I, I can tell now it's definitely been tailored a lot more towards the big gloves because obviously the big gloves are far less repercussions getting hit with those than there are with the minis um I think I just wasn't 
comfortable enough in boxing range uh, just yet because it had been, I suppose, getting in there in October. I did an interclub last January. So it had been about nine months since I'd been around sort of smaller gloves. Um, in that sort of like, I guess, a fight setting, even though an interclub is supposed to be scaled down in certain senses, you know, there was a fight setting there. Um, so I just think I wasn't comfortable in, you know, just in the hand range. I don't think I was sharp. And But then at the same time, what's really frustrating is whenever I heard like an instruction from Melissa or James, you know, body head, body head, you know, engaging the, engage the boxing, I think he might have landed one strike to my head with a fist and I probably landed about eight or nine, maybe 10. So it's just a bit weird. I think if I look back, if I maybe committed to my hands a bit more, I probably would have realized he, he didn't like it either. Yeah. So that's really all it would be, you know, everything else in the fight I was quite happy with, but um, definitely if I just committed to being in that close range more, especially even looking back, looking at sort of even his facial expressions at the time, I should have probably just put the two and two together that he was nervous as well. He was a bit nervous, debut, yeah, you know, it can happen. And yeah, I probably could have exploited that a bit more on the night, yeah. What was his name? Do you remember? Uh, Elliot. 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 Yeah, I've got him on a. Got, he's a really nice lad, actually. He trained at Lions not long after. Yes. To be fair, because he's a, he, he goes to Cov Uni. Gonna, yeah, he was going to train with us. Uh, he said to me, he was going to train with us, and mm. uh, because he he knew he was fighting you, he 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 didn't want to want to come in and train. That's what he said. Yeah, I spoke to him uh, backstage, uh, sort of you know in the back afterwards. I went in to obviously see how he was. Um, and he was kind of like, yeah, so I'll go to Cov Uni. I can't quite remember what he studies. He does something like um, something sports science related, something like that. Uh, but he was there like, yeah, you know, I wanted to train at Lions because I'm based down in Banbury, but live in Cov. Now, so I was fighting you. I was like, shit, like, I'm going to have to just commute to Banbury the whole time. Um, so he's from 10th Planet. 10th Planet, yeah. 10th That's Planet. a good it's gym. It's a very good gym. Very good gym. Um, good yeah, gym. they followed me. To be fair, I see a lot of their posts, sort of the uh, uh, Chris Mee sort of the striking coach there really nice guy um yeah he followed me off like the striking clinic account so i see like a lot of the stuff that they do that they post and like yeah they're developing a really good team there they have a good ethos there like they try and do the right things so um i think that's shown by the fact they're producing quite a few amateur fighters at the minute uh 10th planet to be fair so um yeah no i've kind of felt for him in that sense you know kind of realizing he couldn't try i suppose he could have went to warriors i don't know what would it i suppose he could have went there but um yeah it was one of those things, but yeah, really nice lad. Spoke to him after, and he was, um, yeah, really, just really polite. And he did come once or twice. I think he rolled with Tarek. He rolled with T. Um, he rolled with a couple of other people, like Mitchell, people like that. And yeah, he got on quite well, to be fair to him. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've heard nothing bad about him at all. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's absolutely welcome. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love him. I'd love him. Uh, more people on the map, the better. As yeah, long as, no, as long as literally, cool especially if they come. I think he's a 10th planet blue belt now, I think. Uh, I'm right. not really sure how their grading system works. It's a lot of no-gi stuff. Because um, I know, obviously, you have your traditional gi grading system and no-gi gradings only recently came in, hasn't it? Or it's like some places do it, some places don't, I think. GB, you're still not supposed to do you're it. You're still not supposed to. Okay. I, I kind of think it Drop means... 10th planet in it. I like it. I like the t- if you're going to do belts in gi, I kind of think they you might as well do both belts in no gi. Oh no, I agree. Actually, to be fair, I've always wondered this, uh, and I'm on the fence about belts in general. But yeah. if you're going to do it in gi, like because it makes no difference in terms of belts don't they don't reflect how long really how long you've been training. Yeah, not because at all. not at all. A yeah. blue belt in, in in GB rules, I think you have to be a white belt for a year and a half to two years to get a blue you a just blue. have to be you there's have no to be. like yeah, it's yeah. not even if like so someone like bj penn yeah that's he, the, always he the couldn't example do, yeah he, he couldn't gives. do what he did here basically exactly that's weird i don't know why, why does it work like that 
Yeah, that's say strange. GV? Yeah, Gracie Barha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. No, you have to be uh, uh, belts for a specific mm. time. But I was saying to James the other day, you could be on the mats two times a day, five days a week, versus someone who <coughs> comes Excuse me. once or twice a week, casually. Mm. But time scale wise, you're the same. Yeah. How yeah. does that work? How does it work? Yeah, because you've had so much more mat time, you've learned more content. Because another really, a really good example as well is um, I don't, I don't know for sure what his gi belt is, but Benil Darius was a multi-time world champion in nogi jiu-jitsu. I think he might only be a black belt, a uh, brown belt. Sorry, he's obviously not brown belt level in gi. He's obviously better than that, but obviously it just doesn't reflect. He might be a black belt now, but I remember reading about it a while back that it was like oh yeah obviously he's an amazing jiu-jitsu practitioner especially like mma transition but he just hasn't put the time in for gi yet basically i mean gordon ryan has the same mm. situation like he's obviously still gordon ryan in the yeah. gi i he just needs and he doesn't have the time but he just needs to put the time into yeah yeah exactly specific yeah. stuff it makes me wonder what is easier the transition from gi to no gi or no gi to gi i'd probably argue I would probably argue it's easy to transition from gi to no gi, uh, just because I think some of the grips, at least this is coming from the perspective of somebody that's not touched gi yet, in fairness. That's um, all. Yeah, n- genuinely not touched it at all. I'm too skimp for the gi, guys. Uh, no, it's mostly just um, it's mostly just because I think going straight into MMA, just sort of, again, sort of transferable skills. There are certain grips and holds in, with the gi that aren't necessarily applicable. Uh, but this is where I'm going to show a lack of knowledge on that side. But I think, you know what I mean, with it, you know, there's no collars to grab onto. There's no like, you know, certain ties and holes you can get. Uh, so I think that may have been more, especially because I started quite late, relatively speaking. I just think I kind of made the choices to do certain aspects, maybe not everything. Uh, but yeah, I'd say probably because of the grips, I just think you get better strength in your fingers. I think you get better grip strength and you're kind of used to a bit more rough movements if you do the gi versus no gi so i think that would if i had to make the argument that would be an easy transition for me mm, yeah. that's interesting how have it, you found it because i know you do both so which did you which one did you start with i started with both i didn't oh, did you actually start I didn't with both? think about it oh, did you uh, really Bloody because hell. the way that lions used to do it was kind of if you didn't have a gi sorry gb guys if you didn't have a gi you kind of just showed up and did no gi Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, right. So I should show you pictures of the gym, how it was. How long ago are we talking? We're talking, I joined in late September 2016. Okay, okay. Bloody hell. And there was, you know where the, the, so there's, if you look at the mat from the gym, there's two pillars in the, in the center of the mats. Mm. There's a one and then two. If you think about the back pillar... That was a wall across the whole gym, and there was like a reverse mirror there. Okay. So that was, and then I don't know if you remember, there used to be a rubber mat along the side of it. Sort. I think I've seen like old pictures of it. Like yeah. For people to walk along. Yeah. And that yeah. had, I think it, it didn't even think it had like shoe a shoe rack or anything on it. Mm. Then. And then in the back corner there was a cage. I've heard about this cage. It was tiny. It's, yeah, imagine an eight-foot trampoline. Yeah, cage. yeah. No, literally, because uh, I've seen like old. I've seen like old videos of like a uh, dean like doing like tie pads with people in the cage, and I was issue there like, fucking hell. What, so, like, so the mat was probably less than a quarter the size. Yeah, yeah. Now. And even though it was a martial arts gym, 
most of the gym was taken up by gym equipment, including right, cardio. Right, I see. So you would kind of walk through the gym bit and walk through this door. It was a heavy door. Walk through the door and there was everyone doing, doing their martial arts classes. And you couldn't see it from outside. Mm. So the first time you walked in, it's a bit intimidating because it's a reverse mirror. You can only see the gym and then you walk through the door and it's like, oh, there's all these people in like big Polish dudes in pajamas yeah. <laughs> strangling each other. Yeah. Uh, it was the best thing. Would you would you say sort of, um, I suppose with that sort of layout, was it a different culture back yes. then? I suppose different yes, culture. Definitely. How would you have described it if you were? Not. To, to give you, I was going to say, to give you sort of the way I see the gym, I, I see it as like very family friendly, to be fair. Like I think anybody could go in. Anybody that was could go the route on. I was going to go now. Yeah. Uh, the, to be honest, you can look back at pictures and it wasn't all meatheads, but mm. there are a lot of meatheads. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean, big... Na- it's the nature of the sport. It's the nature. <laughs> you'll, you'll get, you'll get idiots and you'll get nice people. You'll get... It's just what it is, isn't it? And I think when I started, it was only just starting to become this worldwide thing that mm. skinny boys did. Do you know what I mean? Oh, well, I was a skinny boy growing up. Right. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like, the guys you saw on old UFC cards, mm. most of them... I am a real fan. I know Nick Diaz. I know, you know, mo- but most of them were big, bold dudes with a shit ton of tattoos yeah yeah and so that was the kind of people that jujitsu attracted yeah and so you'd walk in and there would be big bold dudes in geese kitted out in tap out all that sort oh, of stuff oh it was like, all tap yeah, out yeah, it all was tap all out. tap out uh, the, the tap out what a brand what a brand the historic brand there you yeah. go <laughs> uh, none of them were GB geese mm. either it was all tatami Really, tap out, tatami. Rash guards I, I want to be fair. I want some tatami stash. To be it's fair, great. It's, yeah, it's great. I, I don't own any. To be fair, I've only got like a proper cheap chicken shit Amazon stuff. <laughs> like, hey, it's like I know we're both wearing black lion hoodies, and I work for the gym, but I don't work for Gracie Baja. Tatami geese are better than Gracie Baja geese. Really? <laughs> Should we just wrap this up here then? Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I mean, I'm going to need to find a new job again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's a personal opinion, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, I've, uh, in in terms of like rash guards and stuff, from my experience with Nogi, the Gracie Baja stuff's like fucking Champions League compared to the stuff I've, they have I've owned some previously. Really, to be fair, they have some really good stuff at the higher level, yeah. but unless you're paying like £200, the £100 geese mm. that we get on discount are not worth £100. Oh, really? Yeah. Don't get uh, me wrong, they'll last, they do mm, last, mm. but uh, they're just, size-wise, they're awkward. You, uh, I mean, Jack Ainsworth is, uh, he's going to come on the podcast at some point, he just needs someone to come with him, mm. he'll talk about that. Mm. Size-wise, they're, they're only just starting to cater for different body shapes. Mm. Uh, if you're particularly long, like they're not good. Jack Ainsworth is very long, he's a, he's very, a very long individual. So what he's not, had to not do Not everybody is, is built like Jack there Ainsworth. There you go. I used to hate sparring that guy, I'm so happy... He's went like to commit to like more towards the geese because I hated sparring him. It, I, I really struggle with people that are lengthier, like just because I'm I'm a I'm a donor. I don't know how to control range, so like, I just end up like crab walking underneath stuff. And Jack just literally just whooped me from that. This is why Garen always whoops me when we spar because he just he just knows range better than me. Yes, yeah. So I'm so happy uh, that if Jack ever decides to come back to MMA, God, 
Jesus. He'll so do well. He'll do well. Jack had to buy uh, a gi, a crazy Baja gi, like top and bottom, so full price, and then also buy the what they've now released as the long gi pants. Oh, fucking hell. Like the, Giacomo, <laughs> the Giacomo of gis. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I think he now. Ha- I think he still competes in his tatami gi. Mm. I think he does. He really likes us to tell if, if, if you It's one of those where I suppose if you genuinely can't, if there's nothing else you can get in, like, not too much of a problem, is it? No. Yeah, it won't, it won't kill. Not the end of the world. Yeah, no, exactly. But yeah, no, we used to, we used to train. Mm. Like, if you showed up, because now there's like free trial slots. Yeah, uh, I use the free trial. I did use the free trial before I joined. The, be I mean, that free trial has been in place for ages mm. and it's been successful. It was a week, I think. It was a week, wasn't it? And then it dropped to a did it drop to a day because of COVID? Am I dreaming that? I don't think so. I don't okay. remember that. I, I can't remember. I know I did the week, but it was like, it was like proper like, sort of going into third year, sort of year, second year summer at uni. And um, I went for like three sessions maybe because I was just really busy that week. But like really, but it was all like separated. I needed someone with me to like actually do the jujitsu and stuff like that. So I went with uh, Jamal. Um, yeah, good scheme, good way to get people through the door, isn't it? Like, yeah, and yeah. so people would show up to, it was all, there was gi and no gi specific classes, mm. but it, you just showed up and did what you could do. And mm. James would always show the, because James was a purple belt at the time when, mm. when I when I walked in. I think the black belt, whose name I can't remember at the minute, had just left. Wes, I think he just left. And Wes has got his own gym now. Um James would always show the gi and the nogi version. Mm. Um, even in nogi, he would say, "If you're in a gi, you'd do this." Yeah, so that yeah, was a, yeah, that yeah. was a big difference because we don't really do that anymore for obvious reasons. Uh, but most people do in jujitsu did both. Mm. So for the first, I don't think I was. I pushed it. No one had to to talk to me, but I didn't get a gi for the first three months of mm. training. And I should have, mm. even in that sort of environment, I definitely should have, because also you know it, it hinders your partner, and also it kind of limits who you can go with, in terms of yeah. training. Yeah. You're you're always going to go with the free trial, and at one point I just be- became the guy that went with the new guys, mm. even though I was getting slightly better, not a lot better, but slightly better. Mm. After yeah, after three months, I was just like, okay, I'll, I'll get the gi, and mm. like it was seventy seventy pounds. My tatami gi was seventy pounds. And I thought at the time that was a huge amount of money to spend on combat sports. Yeah. Oh my God. Don't. Think about them thousands of pounds. I've oh my God. Spent since. I've been thinking I've needed new, I've needed new 16 ounces for so long because the ones I've got are just dreadful. I was looking at getting some like proper, proper like Sandy or Fairtex ones delivered from Thailand. Don't. Jesus. Do not ever buy Fairtex gloves from, no, it's not Fairtex. Twins. Sorry. Twins. I was going to say I wasn't going to buy Twins. twins. I like twins, but don't ever buy twins directly from twins. Oh, really? What? So the first time I did it, fine. They took two months to get here. But oh, is it is no it to do with like dodgy delivery and stuff like that? They just sell you stuff they don't have in stock. Oh, really? That's and shit. then you email them. And they're like, sorry, we don't have it in stock. We're having it special made. You email yeah. them a month later, like, what's going on? Still didn't have them. We're having them special made. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, third month, can I get a refund? Yeah, no worries. We'll process that. And they don't. Mm. I, had to, I had to charge back. The, that's uh, bollocks the, yeah the, it took six months to to get my money back for these boxing gloves mm. uh yeah i would go always i love the twins gloves but i would always go 
through a distributor. Yeah, like I quite like um quite like Made for Fighters. That's a yes. good website. Yeah, yeah I've got good. I've got some good kit off there. That I'm still waiting for them to get the uh, Black Sandies, uh, the Black Sandy Minis uh, re-delivered because they are. Un- I, I remember Lee beat me to them, the bastard. Yeah, he was like showing them off one day in like um an MMA class, like when we were both getting ready for October, and I saw them. And I was like, oh, they're the ones I'm going for, and he was like. I've got, some, I've got some news for you. And I'm like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, yeah, I don't even think... I'll have to ask him, actually. I don't even think he was, could wear them on the night, though. Because Battle Arena were... Um, I was actually quite happy about this in the end because both my, both my six ounces, they're just the crap. Uh, they're just like proper, like the definition of training gloves. Um, so I was thinking, shit, am I really going to have to wear like these dreadful gloves that fucking like cover my thumb? Like I can't even move my hands in them. Like... Flipping feels like you're getting hit by a whoopee cushion, like no power beyond them at all. And then this, like, oh, I can't remember her name, bless her, but lovely, lovely girl. Like the whole back, the, the whole backstage team at Battle Arena were so nice, like so really easy to talk to, like made you feel really relaxed. She comes in like, okay, so we're just going to get uh, gloves fitted for everybody, blah, blah, blah. And then I remember Lee, because he was like lying down, sort of like trying to sleep, just sort of sitting up really slowly, like, you what? <laughs> I can't fucking wear these, but I've just spent 60 quid. And he was like proper, we were trying to like come up with a way for him to be able to wear them. And it was like, it, I think, I can't remember if he did, but I think he did have to go for the Battle Arena ones in the end, yeah. which they weren't bad gloves. They were just a bit, they were a bit stiff because like you could tell they'd like just come out of a box. So um, I suppose that has benefits, doesn't it? It changes based on promotions. Mm, promotion. I've seen GTFP, GTFP let you wear your own ones, don't they? I think they uh, do have their own ones though. Yeah. I think it's an option, isn't it? I, I suppose I wouldn't mind the option. Like if, uh, because the best, the best MMA gloves I've worn were Melissa's Sandies. Sandy. Oh my god, they're unreal. So Melissa's Sandies are one thing. You don't know the legend because you're relatively new to the gym. You don't know the legend of James's Sandies. I was James just had a pair about, of Sandies. He did, and he's lost them. Oh, you're kidding! Everyone in the gym, especially those who did interclubs, but everyone who borrowed his MMA Sandies used his Sandies. <laughs> Because they're brutal. <laughs> and, and they are the best. They just felt good. Yeah, they wear. just feel comfortable on you. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember putting Melissa's on and I was like, fucking hell. Shout out to James's Sandies. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace, James's Sandies. Bloody What colour? I, I don't think... I would bring it up to him, but I don't want to get him emotional. He's upset. Yeah, I don't want to get him emotional about it. So, uh, yeah, I won't mention it. I won't mention, well, I definitely will mention it. like black and blue. Black and blue I ones. So. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I, I quite like just like the straight black ones, to be fair. Yeah. Just yeah, nothing, nothing too flashy. I remember seeing somebody at an interclub wearing like, um, you know, the yellow, like the bright yellow RDXs. Yeah. I was like, are you trying to blind your opponent? Like, yeah. why are you wearing those? Like, one drop of blood and they're fucked. It's funny like, though because uh, Izzy talked about bright colours when he had red hair going into. I think it was his fight against. It was either Vittori or I uh, remember who was the guy he fought before Vittori. Um, the guy that's juiced to the gill. He's not juiced, but Paolo Costa. Costa. I he think had he had the hair. hair I think he had conference. the hair for yeah, yeah. And then shaved that. his head, and everyone's like, "Why?" He's like, "Because Paolo cause Costa makes... spent. He spent the entire build up to that, basically calling Izzy gay, didn't he? Pretty much. Yeah, he did. Yeah, 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 he basically yeah, yeah. spent the entire yeah because he had the red hair. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, so Izzy Izzy shaved his head. He said mm. it just makes me easier to see. Yeah, I, I I can understand it in the sense that. It throws people off, doesn't it? It does throw people off when you have something weird on. Like, uh, I've, I remember at my first interclub, at my first, I'll, I'll never forget this because I've, I've had the piss taken out of me of this for so long. The the second guy, I don't know if you remember that day. It was uh, it was the um, 
August 21. I remember was, seeing I think you there. fight into Yeah, Columbia. I think you were there as well. You had a fight too, didn't you? Did you? Probably. I yeah, I think you did. I was talking to James the other day. I've done too many interclubs. Yeah, I think you had a fight that day. Um, but yeah, I, I had one and I was only supposed to have the one and then my K1 opponent no-showed. Um, which I was actually quite grateful for because I got my ass whooped in the first one and my leg was hurting. So I was like, I really don't want to do a fucking K1 fight. But then on the day, there was this lad. It was his first inter- proper. I got like a proper like make-a-wish story behind it. It was like, it's his first inter-club. He's never done anything before, blah, blah, blah. You two are about the same weight. He's a little bit heavier than you, please. And I was like, oh, fucking hell. Yeah, all right then. Go on then. Thinking, I'm literally thinking, man, I'm like resigned to the fact I'm getting my ass kicked. Um I remember Melissa had literally five minutes before the inter- like five minutes before we were due to get in there. She was showing me how to defend takedowns on the cage. You did well though. Yeah. I, did, I did all right. I, actually, I think I've still got the video for that. Yeah, no, I did. I did all right. But literally, because from the first one, so I kept getting taken down. Melissa was like, "Jack, this is just do that. Just push their head down or like pull them up or something. Like get like an, get like a wizard and fight for the underhook. Then you can start working them up." And I was like. Gee, bloody hell, why didn't I think of that? And then, that sounds but, like a really good idea, yeah, I know, actually. I know, but let's actually you know, use technique to escape a takedown. Let's not just flipping like try and oil check them or like try and jump for a guillotine <laughs> like I do every time. Uh, but, shout yeah. out to Mikey. Yeah, chat, shout out to oil checks. Um, but yeah, the, the reason I remember this fight and I'll never forget it is because the guy had a fucking Spider-Man rash guard on, like a bright red Spider-Man rash guard. And I, was, I remember walking into the cage and be like, you, you motherfucker. I've been my, I was wearing tie shorts, which was stupid. You know, that's just asking to get taken down in a cage. Um, but yeah, I don't think I had any MMA shorts at the time. But um, yeah, I, I just remember seeing him across the cage and I was like, I'm really about to get my ass cut. I'm really genuinely going to get whooped by a guy with a Spider-Man rash guard and a fucking pineapple trim. And uh, to be fair, on the feet, I did all right. But as expected, the guy had fucking farmer strength or something. So. I seem to remember thinking at the time that your grappling was a lot better than I, I anticipated. Think the, the irony, yeah, the irony was, I think my, the weird thing is my, my jiu-jitsu, I, I, I will not make the argument, I won't make the case that I'm good at jiu-jitsu, but I think I'm good at reacting. I think yeah. when, it, when it comes to actually, when it comes to actually doing technique, when it comes to doing techniques, I wouldn't be able to, in the same way that I've, uh, there was one time, there was one time in the summer, Raj asked me to cover a class because I think for jujitsu. Oh uh, no, for kick kickboxing. Don't worry, I'm getting to it. Um, he asked me to cover a K1 class because it was like emergency cover because Andre couldn't get to the gym, like there was a train delay or something, so we couldn't actually get to the gym in time. I was okay teaching a K1 class. I would not be okay in the same way teaching a jits class because I just don't, I don't know it enough. Uh, but at the same time, when it comes to rolling. I kind of do things that I wouldn't be able to explain. I'm just kind so of there that's like... that's interesting. As someone who's just started volunteering... So I, I get paid to coach the kickboxing Mondays and Wednesdays. Mm. But I volunteer on Tuesdays to coach the, to help coach the jits. And I'm not showing... I'm not de- like talking through the techniques. I'm li- mm. If both Melissa and Mikey are there, I'm standing there watching Oh them. yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when Melissa's away or Mikey's away, I'm the, the, the demo guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I volunteer on the Friday to coach the kickboxing. Mm. Even though I prefer grappling, and I'm, I think I'm much stronger at grappling than, than uh, striking, I find the fundamentals of striking much easier, easier to, to teach. explain yeah. than totally the fundamentals agree with of grappling. You. Totally agree Coaching with you. is making me think about all the movements I do and why I do them mm. and how best to explain I, them. I think as well 
more so in grappling, well, definitely more so in grappling, you need a good demo partner. You need yeah, somebody that's, that's you need like the, the one thing I'm so impressed with is how uh, guys like Garen, guys like Mikey, in particular, like those two come to my mind at first, but obviously other people do it too. When James is teaching, uh, they're really, really good at sort of doing the right reactions. When James is trying to say, oh, you're, you know, he can do this if you don't do that. And they always seem to come out with the right reaction. Like having that speed of mind in the moment, if I was the guy getting squashed, I probably wouldn't. I'd be saying my bad a lot. I'd be like, oh, shit, my bad. Yeah, yeah. I did it a couple of times. James used to squash me a couple of times in MMA, uh, sort of like with cage wrestling stuff. And I can do it a bit. But there were a couple of times where James was like, and Jack will do. And I'm like, nothing. I'll do fuck all. Because uh, I just forgot what I was supposed to do. I completely <laughs> forgot the technique he was showing. Um, so, yeah, I think if you're teaching striking, though, it can literally be as simple as all you need is someone to just do that. Like, just put their hand up and be like, okay, take the jab block the kick, check. And it's a really simple movement to do, I suppose, with the grappling. You need them to kind of have a bit more of a working understanding, I find. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm only teaching at the, the lower level. Yeah. Very, like, basically... Do, do you teach level. sort of the... Do you teach kids classes? The kids do you classes, say? Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I suppose like, half the battle's getting them to listen, isn't it? To be fair. Not anymore. Really? Are they quite good? I, I, a couple of times crack I've a whip and an iron fist. Really? <laughs> Got to be done. I was going to say, because I used to teach kids swimming holy yeah holy crap it's hard to get kids to listen sometimes like when they're just having a good time yeah i think with kickboxing though and jujitsu to an extent although it's harder getting kids to really focus on jujitsu techniques mm, mm. with kickboxing them they they want to be there most of them want to be yeah, there yeah because it's it, it's more I'm trying to think of the right way to put it i guess it's recreational it's, yeah it's more movement based isn't it yeah that's like true. it's more movement based and a lot of kids a lot of kids are kinesthetic learners aren't they or at least i personally i'm, I'm that a movement model learner. is bullshit is it you oh dude learn, learn through movement that, oh. that, that so no okay so what you're talking about the whole are you an auditory learner are you a visual learner are you a kinesthetic there's it's always somewhere between three and six things that people give they still teach it on teacher training courses and at university it was never credited let let alone discredited it's bollocks i'm gonna send you it's some just stuff. total bro science um, yeah yeah 100 um they it was one of those things where results were in a couple of studies were very much tailored in terms of the stats oh like it led on like a okay yeah every like what how you learn obviously depends on the situation and some people are more tailored to learning certain things, but that doesn't mean they're more tailored to learning in a certain way. Oh man. It's complete bullshit. I didn't I'm so happy you brought that up. Oh my god. Because that is one of my I fucking hate like and I'm gonna counter that. I didn't understand a thing you just said because you didn't move enough. <laughs> I have a friend who was doing his teacher, I won't say who. Uh if he's on the podcast, I'll. Uh, if he comes on the podcast, I'll, I'll talk, talk about it. Um, but he he was teaching at college when mm. I was there, and he was doing his teacher training at the same time. And he was having to do that and talking me through it, and or, or talking to me about it. And I go, you know, that's bullshit, right? And he goes, mm. yeah, really. And I go, they still teach it. He goes, yeah. And you it, have to pretend like it's real. Is it one of those where? Yeah, I, I guess. I suppose it is one of those things where maybe people just take to different learning styles, but there's no way to label it. I get, I've always found I do learn through doing a lot better. Everyone learns through doing. Everyone just you learns through doing. My housemate Callum will always say he learned to swim via YouTube. That's nuts. Yeah, but no, that, that is nuts. Like, you can't... You can't just... Some people process watching. So if you're more 
sporty, so Alicia mm. can watch a striking combination mm. and her movements will be closer to that thing that she's just sort watched. A la Max Holloway. Like Max yeah. Holloway did that a lot. And, and I can't do that, but that's, that's because we're good and bad at different things. It's not mm. because mm. you're an auditory or visual learner or whatever. Oh, fuck me, you're it's, blowing my mind it, here, man. Dude, it's complete oh, pro-science. I feel like it's, it, 100%. Most people... In fact, no... For all things, it's a combination, but eventually you have to do it. I shit, yeah. I, I can guess. I can shit, lecture yeah. you maths, <laughs> but you have at some point. At some point, you have to you do have it, to or, do else, some yeah, or else maths. you won't fucking. Yeah, no. Nah, t- do you know what? I'm, yeah, I'll use that analogy moving forward. Actually, you have to do maths at some point. Yeah, no. Nah, Fair Yeah, fucking hell, he's blown my mind. He's blown yeah. my mind. So going back to the kids, like I'll send you some shit. That's yeah, mm. yeah. It's fucking infuriates me they still teach that on teacher training courses yeah but, um going back to the kids i think also part of it is the kids uh they're not supposed to fight right you always oh, god no. tell yeah. like oh, god, no. they try and get especially little like no i see girls getting separated as well but boys are more likely to to start scrapping yeah yeah it's all like brothers and sisters like but it's yeah, always bro- it's more likely if sure. boys are together but girls do it as well Shout out to my sisters. We had some ding-dongs back there in the day, go. to be yeah. fair. We um, did. I remember me, me and my cousin Laura used to wrestle. Like, mm. Me and my brother used to wrestle as well, but my, my cousin was at uh, into wrestling around the same time that I was. Mm. And the number of times, like, I'd have her in, like, an ankle lock or a Wolves of Jericho. Like or, STFU. They, yeah, like yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, STFU, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout out to Laura. Um, yeah, so the more you... Uh, so, so basically you're saying, here's the thing that you normally aren't allowed to do. Mm-hmm. You can do that now. Kids fucking love They're it, especially the nutters. Yeah, especially the nutters. Mm. And you see a completely different side uh, of, of the kids. Mm. There are. I've got to be careful what I say here because I work in a school. There are kids that go to the school that go to the gym, and they are completely different kids in school versus in the gym. In what sense? As in, they're a lot more settled. Do you mean it in they that sense? more like young adults. Oh, in you school, think like sort of training's matured them a bit or? I think they're at firstly, yes, because mm. you, you have to be because you're around adults. Yeah. Especially authoritative adults. Mm. Whereas in school, it can be, I think for kids, sometimes in terms of what they can get away with and what they can't, comfortable, a comfortable environment. Mm. Uh, and there's a group mentality as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see that. To be fair. Well, it is like being part of a big team, isn't it? To be fair. Well, there's that. So there's a positive group mentality of the gym, mm. which is fantastic. And I love that. There's also the negative group mentality of they can't, like at school, they can't stick us all in, det- in after school detention because uh, you're not supposed to do group punishments anymore. Yeah. Which I think takes away from the fun. Oh, but. mad. I've, yeah, flip it. It's been years since I left school. I ain't, got, I ain't got a clue how it works anymore, to be fair. Not that I ever got detentions. Yeah, never. I was a good boy. The, yeah, there are there are a few few kids who, who in in school, and they're not bad kids at all. But they're just a completely different person at mm. school. And then you see them at the gym, and and they're like, not maybe not full of energy, but really like, if if I just knew them from the gym, I'd be like, that is a valuable asset to the team mm. as a person and as a fighter. Mm. It's yeah, it's a completely different environment. Mm. Um, I think that makes coaching the kids mm. a, lot, a, a lot easier. I suppose as well, sort of in 
if you're talking about sort of the longevity of the gym as well, hopefully a lot of these kids sort of stay on and sort of develop with the gym over time. That's you know, the plan. Sort, sort of what we were talking about before we started, you know, it's a big year for the gym, kind of what I was saying, you know, in terms of obviously what Melissa's achieved in such a short space of time, fighting for the Aries belt. And then uh, James, obviously, as we said, big fight with Mush coming up that probably is a big pathway to Cage Warriors for himself on that level. And then we have... um all the amateur guys, um, you know, Lab and Lewis debuting next month on a, is it Wild Fight? I want to say it's Wild Fight. I think it is Wild Fight. Yeah, Wild Fight, yeah. Lab's got a hard opponent, by the way, actually. Yeah, yeah flipping out. I didn't realise, like, I didn't, well, it's always hard to, you know, when someone comes out with, um, oh, he's a karate champion. Yeah. A karate champion in, for example, you know, like a traditional martial arts country, like a karate champion in, for example, China. Or like somebody that's like very high level in that country versus, I don't know, Cuba. It's not the nationals like Cuba. If they're an amateur boxer in Cuba, fantastic. Karate isn't as big of a sport. So when when I got told that his opponent's, you know, a national karate champion, I can't remember which country it was, but it's always like, okay, that is intimidating. Yeah. Does it necessarily mean that he's going to be like that good? Who knows? We'll just have to see. But I, I bat lab to... If he needs to wrestle, I think he'll out-wrestle him, to be fair. That's and with strong. Yeah, he's a strong I, I know. I've, I've, I've drilled with him quite a bit. I've sparred with him a couple of times. He's a strong guy, so I back him. Then um, Lewis. Lewis is a fantastic striker. I can't wait to see him in there, to be fair. Lewis is a hard-working motherfucker. Yeah, no, he's fancy. He's, yeah, I, he's unlucky that he didn't debut before myself, to be fair. He had a couple of really unlucky circumstances last year. Um, but yeah, you've got those two. Um, you've got, obviously, Alicia probably what one one amateur fight away from probably fighting for a belt next time yeah if you say she wins it three now amateur sort of in her weight class women's it's women's bantam weight or is it women's flyweight she fighting? should be fighting at flyweight oh she wants to do 50, she didn't do 56 last time though did she it was like 63 it was a catch weight thing wasn't it 57 okay oh, it's so between this, isn't it is this is, is uh i've got again i've got to be careful what i say here mm. basically she fought 60 yeah 63 yeah, that's which what is, I remember. It. it was like it was short notice, though, wasn't it? Yeah. So, which it, it, it was, was it short notice? I, I normally don't know. When you, really? Uh, death. But normally I think, when you no, get like I think those that weird... was just the opponent. No, it really? wasn't that that's short just what notice. The opponent Six asked for. weeks, maybe. Okay. Wow, that is weird, then. But because that opponent was so much bigger, she was a big girl. There was no chance. Camp, like she yeah. struggled. I believe. I don't know. This is just what I've heard. I believe she struggled to make sixty-three. She did, to be fair, even on the... You could tell she was the she bigger girl She didn't look well night. at weigh-ins. Yeah. She came late as well. She yeah. came very late to the... Because I remember Alicia was getting like quite excited on the day. Because we obviously all weighed in straight away. I woke up on weight. Um, which is actually shit. That's actually a bad weight cut to wake up on weight. Um, I should have, you know, maybe timed it a bit better. Um, but I think Lee... Lee had a struggle with that was my fault. I'll hold my hands up for that. I told him the... Um, I don't know if he's mentioned this to you. I thought the gym, the gym where we did our weight cut normally opens at 6am I thought it would open at 6am on right. a Saturday turned right. out it opened at 8 weigh-in started at 10 Shit. so Lee turned up there at 6am and like messaged me like chat what the fuck and I'm like I didn't know I'm so sorry and he had to like rush the weight cut at home so he turned up a bit after us he was okay though in the end um, but yeah I was quite apologetic when he turned up yeah. I was like I'm really sorry mate I didn't realise um, then yeah but while we were there Alicia was getting more and more excited she was like I've still not seen her because she was the only women's fight on the card. So it was like, I've still not seen another girl turn up. She's having a 
bad time. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I don't remember on the night. She had quite thick legs, wasn't she? Yes. Like she had really thick legs. She was legs. huge. Yeah. I thought At she least was... she's, you know, trying to make flyweight. What she... do you reckon she got down from? To get 63, do you reckon she went from like 67? Because Alicia yeah. dieted, didn't she? She didn't she, really cook. Yeah, she's not as big as Melissa. And Melissa's... Oh, Melissa's bigger than me weight. though, man. There you go. Yeah, but... I, I genuinely think if me and Melissa had like a lift, like a weightlifting competition, we'd be close. I reckon the girl probably came down from about 70. Really? Just based on her Fucking bone structure. Hell, man. Yeah, that, she was for a an big amateur girl. fight, seven kilos nuts, man. Yeah. I but she might have three. dieted a bit. But I don't know. You'd like to think you would. But yeah, for an amateur fight, that is nuts, isn't it? I've seen some people talk about doing it, though. And it's like, from never experiencing a weight cut, I didn't realize how hard that was. I didn't. I I remember thinking, oh, I can do like 74 down to 70. That'll be nice and easy. And that is what I ended up doing. I did did pass out. Really? Yeah, I passed out. But it was actually my own fault. Um, I spoke to James about this on the day. It was really lucky as well because I got the cut. I got the cut on my eyebrow. I landed on the left-hand side, but thankfully I hit my head. Um, oh, oops! Smashed on the smashed on the mic. Um, yeah, thankfully I landed on like the side of my head, which was you know really really lucky. Um, and but what happened was is because I was going to do it with the sauna suit because I wanted to try it. I kind of mistimed when I was wearing the sauna suit, uh, so I kind of put the sauna suit on initially. When I spoke to James about this after, and he was there like, "No, you normally keep you normally put the sauna suit on after you've done your saunas, so that right. you keep your body temperature high." Mm-hmm. Basically, what I did while in that dehydrated state was I raised my body temperature too high, too fast. Jeez. So when we did our first sauna, Lee's like weighing himself, and I went to my locker to get some more sweet sweat, and then I was also going to get some chewing gum because I was like, I, "I'm in desperate need of chewy or else I'm I'm going to die. Like I will accept death." Um, and then chewing gum or I, death uh, chewing gum or death and it was like it was extra spearmint the green extra the goat can't even argue with me uh, it's the best one kept me alive but um, I went over and like Lee was weighing himself and he kind of went oh Jack I'm, I'm going to jump back in uh, I remember it so it's weird normally when you pass out you can't remember it but I do remember this really well I was actually like feeling a bit lightheaded I was like fucking hell I might be about to conk it here I literally go to Lee I'm like oh, yeah, yeah I'm just going to have a sit down I sat down, like, leaning against the thing, and I'd, like, sort of undone the sauna suit, but I didn't, t- and I wish I took it off. If I took it off, I think I'd have gotten away with it. Next thing, I like, oh, I'm just going to have a little sit down. Next thing I remember, Lee is, like, shaking me, and I look up at him, like, no fucking way. And he's there, like, mate, I turned around for two seconds, and I was like, bollocks. I haven't cut myself, have I? And he's like, no, no, you're okay, but just, like, stay on your side. And I'm like, what pussy? I can't believe I just passed out. Do you know how long you were out for? seconds yeah. if that genuinely I think it was seconds like um from what Lee described he like was putting his scale back in the locker so he looked away from me for literally like literally two seconds to put it back in the locker and then I was just on my on my side thankfully though because I sat down it wasn't as bad as it could have been so I kind of like sort of did a sat down then just kind of went like a yeah like that way um which was a yeah sort of like a onto my left um and th- yeah, got got really, really lucky with that because I know Lewis had a similar incident where he wasn't as lucky, unfortunately, and it sort of opened a cut on his eye. We both got a similar type of scar. Um, but yeah, sort of back to what I was saying, obviously, Alicia, one fight away, one fight away, hopefully from an amateur title, which would be amazing. I think she can do it as well. She's not long got promoted to blue belt as well, which is awesome. Um, she abs- You want to talk about people, not, not that she hasn't put time in the gi, she mm. absolutely has. If anything... Because she wants to be well-rounded, but also because she wanted 
that blue belt. Mm. You want to talk about people who are blue belts, regardless of traveling, like training in the gi. Mm. That's that's Alicia. Mm. You can roll with her in no gi, mm. and and feel that mm. the, the pressure is insane. Her yeah. side control. If I was you, thinking this. You're going to struggle to get outside control. Yeah, I remember. I, I, I got out. I got out because um, I was. I rolled with a. It wouldn't have been last week. Cause my knee's fucked. I think it was the week before. So before I did my knee, me and her did sort of like a specifics um, in in the MMA sparring. And I don't. I, I remember things myself. Have, have I not been here in a while, or has Alicia got really? And because she was so hard to hold down, even like me being me being on top of her, and probably because I'm carrying a bit of holiday weight. Uh, probably about 15 kilo heavy though. I've got 15 kilo on her. She was hard to hold down. Like she was scrambling all the time and I was issued there like, fucking hell, this is difficult. Remember being in side control with her, as you said, I only escaped once and it was because I, I managed to sort of like leverage her and I timed a ghost escape as she tried to like re, basically sort of like readjust herself and I ended up on top there, which was, you know, quite lucky. So I'm normally quite bad at ghost escapes. Um, but yeah, yeah, just gone up a lot. You can just sort of tell, you know, and things sort of click with an athlete. Um, I noticed it a lot when I played football and when I swam. There'd be like a period of time where somebody just hits momentum and they just keep, things just keep going right for her. And I feel like, fingers crossed, that's where she's heading right now, where things just keep going right. It's funny. <clears throat> she hated jujitsu when she started. I think, if, especially if you're coming from a striking background, I believe mm. Garon felt the same way. I'll be honest, I don't love it. I come from a striking background as well. So I, I didn't love it when I started it. I honestly believe, at least Nogi, I believe that she loves it, now, mm. which is fantastic. Uh, it gives us something to, to talk I think about. As well, I think as well, seeing things start to actually click in your own mind, like realizing very you can actually do things. Yeah, exactly. When you start beating people that you maybe didn't beat before, when you manage to land a sweep on somebody that you couldn't do it to before. For me, one thing I, I one thing, just one thing I want to do this year is I want to sweep Nav. I've never swept him. He's too good. I just can't do it. He's very good. Yeah. He's I, one, one time I'm putting the challenge out, <laughs> putting the challenge out one time. If I ever come to Nogi, <laughs> cause I'm so inconsistent. I'm like, I'm we proper. rolled the other day. And the only thing I will say is you absolutely roll like an MMA player. Yeah. <laughs> I do. And I, I yeah. love rolling against MMA guys. Yeah. Did you ever, were you around when Kenny was around? Oh, uh, Saren's brother. Yes. I know of him. I never met him. He rolls, he rolls, he still rolls like an MMA player. Does he? And is he, he is an MMA guy though, isn't yeah, he? Abso- yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was going to say he yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I suppose I, you I can tell, it. can't you? It's weird though, because Garon doesn't roll like an MMA player. He rolls like a jiu-jitsu guy. Mm. Mm. I, I love rolling with MMA people. Yeah. Because it's a different game. It's a totally different game. Yeah. Because th- the irony is, is that you can ask Mikey about this. When we roll in jiu-jitsu, he smokes me because yes. he will always smoke me. I don't. I don't think there'll be. I still don't understand. A, I'm heavier than him because he's so fucking strong. But he just, yeah. I'd have to train for a long time to even get remotely. When we roll in, when we roll in MMA though, like when we do some specific, it is a bit different because the added yeah. strikes. I think it maybe makes him a bit more tentative and maybe me a tiny bit more confident yeah. because it's like there's a different experience strikes, there, isn't distance there? management. All that sort even, of stuff. Even different body positions. Like he can't do, you can't do a lot of the bullshit. Yeah. Or at least there are more specific circumstances this, this for that bullshit. This is the bullshit. thing, like if, if somebody rolls for, I know you can't do it in the amateur rule set. That's not to say people won't do it because people do silly things in amateur MMA because it's the nature of what it is. I've, I've seen videos of people doing it. There was a video where a guy rolled for a fucking knee bar in an amateur fight. It's like, oh. what are you doing? He, no. got de- he got deducted a point. He got but, deducted a point. Yeah, because yeah, flipping out, like you can do some. I mean, I mean, he rolled for it. 
And the referee was like, stop the fight. And he was just like, no. <laughs> like, what did he, he do? Stand, stand him up that. again? He stood them up. Yeah. And then I think he wasn't going to deduct the point for the mistake. I think it was the guy's reaction. Like, he just went nuts about it. He was like, what the fuck? Like, you've just stopped me. And he was like, you can't do it. Like, we did it. We talked about it in the fight meeting. Anyway, in an MMA context, if somebody rolls for a knee bar, unless you've got that knee bar, you're getting hammer fisted. Yes. Like, straight away. I think that's what can make some high level jits guys a bit more tentative to do stuff like that. The best examples, um, who was it that rolled for flipping Ryan Hall against Ilya Taporia mm-hmm. was consistently Granby rolling. He was consistently trying to, you know, oh, what's it, trying to ankle pick him with like the weird entries. He ended up in a weird position trying to like ankle pick Taporia and he just got knocked out. Like you've got to be so careful with it. And you can watch Gary Tonin in one championship mm, and mm. he's gotten to the point where everyone knows his game. Not saying he's not an amazing grappler, but everyone knows his game and his hands just aren't there to, to back him up. He won if by he rolls, the other day, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, his I, opponent... I saw his, I've seen his recent losses. I haven't seen his... Uh... Yeah, he fought on one the other day and his opponent... Can't remember the name of his opponent so I'm not that clued in for one, but he yeah. just... Weird one. Very rumble, God rest him, a la, like rumble a la DC too. Tried to engage in what the strength of the opponent was. Uh, so obviously, if you remember, rumble tried to wrestle DC, ended up sort of gassing himself out, got choked out again. This guy shot a double on Gary Tonon and it was like okay you're going to engage in grappling you better seriously back the grappling or like you'd like to think maybe piece him up on the feet a bit first if you're going to engage in that with somebody that good he caught him in a Kimura trap and um, yeah. ended up sort of rolling for I think he finished it from top side control and obviously yeah. pushed it beyond the back that way it's actually quite tricky to do, to be fair, when it's someone's very... on their back. But that's what ended up happening. So I think the guy sort of realised his mistake and tried to scramble. But um, yeah, it's it's one of those, like, with the jits, guys, I d- definitely, if you're doing a pathway to MMA, I personally think it's way better to do the grappling side first and then transition to striking. I think it's far easier to pick up that way. I regret, I regret not doing it that way, in truth. Um, but I guess sort of when I started out, it just didn't interest me as much. I really enjoyed sort of the Muay Thai striking, which is why... That's what I ended up doing first. So yeah. what's, your, what's your background in combat sports? Um, so to be honest, I never really had I never really had a background per se in combat sports. So I was a um, I've always done sport. I was a so I was a national swimmer. I swam for Coventry City. You know, um, flipping Fairfax Street, the old uh, leisure centre. Yeah, yep. Coventry Swimming Club there. Um, so I swam for them. Competed at sort of midland level youth level all that sort of stuff and then I was about 14 got to national level completed in the re- competed in the relay which was nice I wasn't actually supposed to be there because I didn't have any national qualifying times the problem was I think I was actually I was about three seconds off the national qualifying time for a 100 meter freestyle so I swam it in about minute one so it was about 61 seconds for a 100 meter freestyle and I think the qualifying was like for the individual it was like 58 which is like quite a long time in swimming to be fair uh, but yeah, competed in that, which was um good good experience. Stopped swimming. I was playing football at the same time. I got to semi-pro for football. Uh, played for Leamington, um, who were in tier six. Then that's quite good. Yeah, no, it was, it was quite good. Yeah, it was it was quite a good level. To be fair, the the reason I never the reason I never sort of pursued football further is that I've always been very realistic. I was never in an academy. I I, I had. I didn't even have trials. I never got noticed, which was quite heartbreaking to be fair. Because I loved, I still love footy. Not so much these days because Liverpool are shite. Uh, but uh, and then Coventry, oh, 
It goes completely over my head. Oh, oh, mate, I could talk your ear off about football. At Liverpool. Please don't. Yeah, don't worry <laughs> about it. We'll we'll cut that off. Uh, but yeah, football's sad at the moment. But yeah, I um I was going to commit to it, but I didn't really get guarantees that I'd be able to play. Uh, so I kind of spoke to the gaffer at the time. I think he might still be the gaffer, you know, to be fair. Uh, but I was kind of like, am I going to get a chance in the first team? And I think maybe my own discipline, my own sort of ethos in training. I've always been a shit trainer. I always perform, but I'm, I'm a shit trainer. You won't think I'll perform based on how I, particularly in football. Um, he just never gave me assurances. So I was like, I'll go to uni then. I'll play football for the uni. Then freshers happened. So I got invited to the trial and the trial was on like the third day of freshers. And I was like, I know exactly what these mother, I know exactly what they're doing. They're trying to weed out the people that actually care versus the people that want to go out. I went out. <laughs> if you thought there was a build-up to like a good end to that story, like, yeah, Jack played football. No, he's a fr- no Jack went out. Had a really good time. Uh, so I missed the trial. <laughs> and obviously, was apologetic about it. I was like, please, can I have another chance? And we're like, ha, we had a thousand people. So yeah, this. <laughs> every, every bloke wants to do football. Fully, fully. So on a whim, I signed up to futsal, which is basically court football, indoor yeah, football. Yeah. On a whim, I signed up to it. About 500 people signed to the trial, but I got in. Thankfully, I was one of like the 15, 20 that managed to get in. Um, just because I, I remember at the trial day, there were people there that like were at the football trial and got knocked back. I remember in the trial game, I scored a hat-trick and I was like, yeah, fucking hell, surely, surely they've spotted this. And thankfully they did. Anyway, sort of that year while I was at uni is when I really started following combat sports, like committed in a sense, like... And then from there, going into second year, I knew the MMA club was there. Jimmy, actually, well, Hang club. On. The MMA club. Uh, let's not call it that. I probably shouldn't. Um, yeah. We're, we, we're going to need to go into this in detail. Yeah, the MMA classes. <laughs> I don't know what they were called. Uh, so basically, right. Uh, I need more coffee. Um, yeah, carry on. feeling that? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm feeling that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the MMA the MMA club, uh, have you paused the recording? No. Okay. Yeah, no worries. Um, the MMA club at Loughborough Uni was, uh, well, it was basically, there was no trial involved. It was basically, if you pay the membership fee, um, if you pay the membership fee, you can get involved with it. And it was actually taught by Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy actually ran most of the classes, bar like a couple. Um, and it was the reason I call it a club was that it was technically a part of the Loughborough University Students Union it was a part of the um, you basically had to pay a membership fee to be there so it was like considered an MMA club even though obviously it wasn't um, and like, they never did any interclub I think there was one time we were going to do an interclub then the first lockdown happened hence we never ended up doing it pretty much um, but yeah you did like what was it I think on it was like rotating. It was like kickboxing on Monday, wrestling on Tuesday, nothing on Wednesday. I think it was a morning class on Wednesday. Like, how are you going to go to a morning class on Wednesday when you have stupid Tuesdays at the Union? Come on. And then um, Thursdays, it was something open mat. I think it was open mat on Thursdays. And then Fridays, it was jujitsu. This is all at Loughborough Uni. This was all at Loughborough Uni. You were the- driving over there to do it. No, I went to Loughborough. I lived in Loughborough at the time. Oh, right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should probably be a bit clearer about that. Yeah, so at the time, first year was... My first year was 2018. So, 2018... Oh, you went to Loughborough Uni? Yeah, I went to Loughborough Uni. Yeah. That, make, that, yeah, that makes yeah, more sense. Yeah, I should sense. have been clear about that. When I was at uni... Loughborough, sport, 
Wow. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I went to Loughborough to play football and also obviously, you know, to get a degree. <laughs> not that, Something like that. Not that I used to I went to Coventry to get a degree. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, exactly. Great, great town. Great city. Uh, yeah, so I went to Loughborough to do my degree sort of as a, you know, because I was like, okay, football clearly isn't working mm-hmm. out. So it's actually, you know, try and get a backup plan sorted. Um, yeah, did the futsal, transitioned to we'll call it the MMA, whatever the system. It was a weird setup. I think even to be fair, I reckon even if you ask Jimmy about it, if you see him much, I reckon he'd agree with it. Well, he doesn't do it. I don't think he does it anymore because he has HW1 and he still has Hardy Wallhead. So at I'd, some point we're going to get Jimmy on the podcast. I'll ask him about it. I sure. will. I won't lie. I don't even, I'll be honest. I, I may be doing him a disservice here. I'm not sure that he'll remember me. As in, I don't know if he'll remember, he might remember my face. I, I barely spoke. Funny that. Yeah. Uh, in terms of talking about not remembering people, I'm going to tell you a story when we finish this. Yeah, yeah. Remind okay. me. Or, no, I'll, I'll remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, people no. who know, know. Um, yeah, continue. Yeah, no, it, in the sense that the reason I say he might not remember me is that A, I was a total beginner. I wasn't really particularly talkative. I was quite um, a bit of a, do you know you get the classic, oh, he's gone to the gym, he's got a little bit of skinny muscle on him. Oh, he's going to do combat sports. He thinks he's he thinks he's the bollocks. He was like, oh, I know how to throw a jab. I've watched it on telly. I was proper that type of guy, but just didn't articulate it. Uh, but like in some of the classes, I'd like be seeing things and be like, yeah, I could do that, do that, piss easy. Um, so you aiming for MMA at the time? I, I, yeah, I wanted to get involved with it. So for years, I wanted to do it. I wanted to do boxing at first. Uh, so I got into boxing, fully enough, through Anthony Joshua's rise. So the uh, 2012 Olympics, obviously, saw Joshua win gold in heavyweight. Heavyweight's obviously the glamour division. Kind of followed his rise with that. But at the same time, you had um, the UFC and mixed martial arts coming to the mainstream through Ronda Rousey first. It was Ronda for you. Yeah, it was, it was Ronda first. And then, obviously, McGregor's more relevant to where we're from because, obviously, British and I, British Isles and Ireland. Um, so, yeah, sort of those two. But I didn't watch MMA at the time. I just knew of those two. And I knew of John Jones as well. Um, John, I think it was a John Jones fight, the first pay-per-view I watched. Um, I want to say it was OSP for the interim interim title. Um, the card that... I can't remember which... Like 199, something like that. Uh, but I heard about McGregor knocking out Aldo in 13 seconds. It was my dad, like one random Sunday. He was there like, oh, Chad, do you know that um, Irish guy in the, in the UFC? I was like... Uh, a bit what about him he was like yeah you know he was fighting the Brazilian dude I'm like yeah yeah and he was like I knocked him out in 13 seconds I was like shit yeah I could do that Um, (laughs) easy come on after that Um, happened everyone thought they could do that yeah fully fully Uh, so like yeah you're kind of getting that story together but I always thought I'd go for boxing I thought I'd go for boxing first like Frotch and Grove selling out Wembley in 2011-2012 that was one of the first boxing events I watched um Sort of like it was one of like the rivalry, the intrigue of it got me. Obviously, you had guys like Bellew and Hayad there, sort of back and forth their rivalry. You had Joshua win all the belts. I remember watching the Klitschko fight at like a house party in sick form, which was just nuts. Um, yeah, lots, lots of little, lots of little things like that slowly sort of got me into it. Because if you asked me about fighting when I was about twelve, I'd have been like. Barbaric. It is barbaric. Really? Yeah, You're I hated one of those. it. I hated it. Like when I, I was the same. Yeah, I was a proper like. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's because there were girls about. I don't know what it was, but year seven, year eight, I would be like, yes, no, I, I would never, I would never hit somebody in the face. I'd know, you know, love, not fight, like all that shit. Because that's what women want. Someone who doesn't know how to fight. Fucking, let's not get into the fucking... I don't know why. I just used to... I think in my head, because obviously I was like, fancied myself a footballer. I was kind of saying like, well, why would I... Why would I willingly like get smacked in the face? I don't really know why I'd like to do that. And now these days, fucking that's all I do. 
Um, <laughs> so I, I don't have any head movement. Um, but yeah, got into it through that. And then I just never had the confidence to actually like go. I just think it was always a case of like, I didn't really want to, I, I think it really was just, pussy. I just didn't yeah. want to get hit. Genuinely, I just really didn't want to get hit. And I was like, what if I go and I'm not very good and people laugh at me, which is really dumb because I've told you the other sports I did. I, I did quite well in other sports, but like, it's so weird how confidence doesn't always translate. Very confident footballer, very, very confident swimmer. Even now, even though I've not swam for about seven years, mm, about seven years now, I'd still back myself to beat most people in like a 50 meter, nothing longer than 50 meters because I won't have the fitness. But yeah, but it didn't translate to combat sports. I was like, I'm not up for this. Like, I really don't want to get smacked about. And then um, went to a small Thai gym in Loughborough uh, called um, John Skillens Martial Art and Fitness. Um, met a couple of guys there that I'm still in contact with. Was now, this after fair. you trained with Jimmy? A little bit before. Little so bit it was before. sort of like the end of first year when I was like, do you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I really want to try this. Uh, okay. So someone I lived with, someone I lived with, Morgan, uh, in first year, he was sort of on the same, I really want to give it a go, but I'm scared. So me and him were proper like, probably an emotional night out. We were both a bit tipsy. We were just both there like... Had a few shandies. Yeah, had a few had a few non-alcoholic copper bags. Uh, and we were like, <laughs> we were like... Do you know what? Let's just do it. Let's just give it a go. Let's actually, let's just fucking, let's both go together. You and me, bro. You, <laughs> you and me. me. You and me, buddy. Take give, all the world. Give, give me a hug. Uh, so it was like, yeah, we decided both to go together because he knew a bit about the gym because his brother did kickboxing. So it was right. like, so we went together and sort of from there, from going with somebody at first, I developed the confidence to go because I met people and realised that like, everyone's nice. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting. Imagine. Can you imagine? Uh, I was expecting like the fucking, um, you know the Spongebob movie? Um, this is a really weird reference, but you know the Spongebob it's movie? It's a reference I should get, uh, but I won't well, get Welcome it. to the Salty Spittoon. Are you tough enough? Like one of those types of things where you walk into a fucking, you know when you walk into a pub and like everybody looks at you like, who's this cunt? Who yeah. is this guy? Yeah, yeah, I proper was expecting like to walk into this gym like a sort of, you know, you know, the alpha male that I am. Sort of walking in just like a little bit of skinny muscle with his fucking gym shark top. Like, oh yeah, we know what you are. But everyone there was so sound. And like, as I said, I'm still in touch with the, the Thai coach there, Prads, um, who's like, A, a fantastic Thai boxer. Um, always really nice when he spied with me, told me what I was doing wrong and stuff like that. And he congratulated me on October. Um, but yeah, from there, I developed the confidence. You know, Do you know what? I'm going to go to the Loughborough MMA because it's going to be not as many adults and it's, it's going to be like-minded people, surely. You, so you, did you train with Jimmy's boys? No, so I've not. I I know of them because of um the full reptile channel. Yeah. So I know Hang of on. The, the, as in I I haven't seen this. Does Dan put? Uh, yeah. Well, I think he used to. I've right. I've never actually personally met Dan Hardy. That's um, so fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. It's quality. The whole yeah. that whole thing. The whole like full access. I thought it was sick. I've never personally met Dan Hardy, but I obviously Jimmy ran those classes. And I said I had a few. I had a few chats with him, but it was again a case of sort of like sort of shied away and just sort of like stuck with people around my level because there were a couple of, I won't lie, I think back relative to what I was at the time, I thought they were really, I thought they were really good. I wouldn't really say that that, they were like that high level. I don't think any of them had had, um, like they had good technique, they had good sparring etiquette and there was one that competed in jits. Um, don't know if he was graded and his name's completely abandoning me. Um, 
because again, I just I, I avoided talking to them because I was like, oh shit, they're actually quite good. I don't want to fight them. When what you need to realize that's is the, the way, opposite of yeah, what you should the do. The way to improve is to put yourself in those bad situations. It took me a really long time to realize that. Um, so yeah, like I've not met any of Jimmy's boys. I've seen them compete uh, at like GTFP. I know um, I know a bit about them through. I watched them. Um, oh my god, what's his name? Uh, the redhead lad. Um, oh. I've completely forgotten his name. Uh, I know Garen's trained with him because Garen went over there, didn't he? His name, um, Riley? Is it Riley? Riley, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Riley yeah. Daniels. Yeah, I saw him fight at GTFP. I thought he, I thought he's he's making really good improvement in the striking side of things. I know... Um, Riley gets the game. Yeah, If you yeah. follow Riley on Instagram, he oh, does gets it? the game. I, genuinely, I've not met them in person. I just know them through YouTube. It's really weird that... I don't when you know, know who, Riley, but yeah. I've, I've talked to... I've, I've, we've gone back and forth on Instagram. Yeah, it's times. really weird when... I'd love him to come on, but yeah. he's, but he's, he's kind of like in the position They'll where a lot based. of the fighters are. Everyone's so busy. If you fight, especially MMA, if you fight in this sport, you are so busy. Yeah, yeah. Because you're always at training here, there, or you're working. I'm forever known... I'm uh, so one of my mates, one of my very close mates, uh, came out with the sentence. Remember when you used to be fun? Uh, like it was quite recent, to be fair. It was like, remember when you were a laugh jack? And I was like, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Um, because yeah, I'm either whenever people are, like, oh, do you fancy like you know like the random nights we like, oh, do you just fancy a pint or do you want to do that? It's like, well, I just can't. I just can't do it. Because um, you need to if you're not training. As you said, you're either at work or you're asleep. Because <laughs> like, yeah. you're just shattered from it all the time. 100%. Um, and I think as well, because I started at, I'd been 19, 18, 19 when I did my first Thai boxing class. There are exceptions to the rule. But if you're starting any type of combat sports training at that age, unless you're A, gifted, B, ridiculously like committed and... Is there a C? I don't really know if there's a C. I've kind of built it, but th- th- let's go with those two for now. You haven't got much time. If you, if you really want to make a career out of it, you haven't got much time. You need to be, you need to be good. You need to be very good in it's my opinion. It's getting tougher. It's getting even sure. tougher. Like guys like Francis Ngannou, I know he's an athletic freak, but guys like him that rocked up to a gym at what? He's 36 now, I think. He rocked up to a gym at 26 and he's obviously, until very, until literally last night, the UFC champion. He's not anymore. But, guys like that maybe he's a he might actually be a bad example because he is a freak and he's in a division that talent wise talent wise relative to the other divisions you know scaled pound for pound it probably is the least talented with the greatest respect to obviously you mixed martial arts heavyweights because of the power involved and because of the little gloves even if you haven't got the greatest technique you can spark anybody Sam's going to crucify me for this um, but outside of the top five of the UFC I actually don't think there's a lot of talent in yeah, the heavyweights yeah well that's it I think the most talented UFC heavyweight that's currently outside of the top five well there are actually two that will give him credit for uh, Sergey Spivak who yes, is about good. to submit Derek Lewis I, I, unless Derek Lewis catches him like he did with Blades it's just going to happen um, which and- is a possibility. It's a massive possibility. It's a huge possibility. But Derek Lewis is an amazing example of it. He he was very athletic when he was younger. And I I bet he injured. I bet he got injured and just never spoken about it. Because the sort of the weight he gained, because he used to be a very athletic, like sort of trimmed down. Really? Yeah, I think the weight, if you look at his earlier fights, he used to be a lot more, like you're talking, if he lost a little bit more, could go 205. He was sort of around the 225, 230 range. Oh, okay. Um, now he's obviously like, pushing like having to cut weight to make 265 um yeah the other one 
Uh, the other one, now that Tom Aspinall's in the top five, is he in the top five? Uh, but he's he's up there, isn't he? The other one would be um, Sir, uh, Alexander Romanov. Alexander Romanov, the, um, is he, I want to say he's Moldovan? Very similar mould to Sergei Spivak in how they fight. Fantastic grappling, brilliant top pressure. With that said, Romanov didn't have the greatest showing in his last one. I actually thought he lost, but he got like a bit of a gift of a decision, in fairness. Maybe that's to do with the growth of the sport. Yeah. Because the obviously the more the sport grows, the more people will get involved in it. Um it's easier for heavyweights to to break through if they're any good, because obviously bell curve, there are fewer heavyweights. Mm. Maybe that skill. That, that I think is missing in in the heavyweight division of any MMA uh, company event. That maybe that skill gap is, is yeah dis- disappearing. Well, do you know what a good person to ask about it? Because I've I, I haven't seen him in a little while. But Christoph obviously is a heavyweight himself. Christoph should be at light heavyweight. Yeah. Everyone knows it. Yeah, I've, I've, to be honest, but I would ask him the question. I'd love to kind of talk to him about it and the. With the heavyweights, influent Polish. I, I think I think the <laughs> influent Polish. I oh, Polish by name, not by nature. Um, but but I could get an EU passport though, which I may do, uh, just for that free travel leech off it. Um, Shout out to the EU. Yeah, we love the. EU. I miss you, EU. Um, but yeah, so Christoph. Uh, the the thing I find with heavyweights is that. This is going to sound ridiculous, but a lot of heavyweights do not show very good technique, unless you're Fabrice Overdoom, yeah, who's like the goat of heavyweight, like jiu-jitsu, in, in an MMA context. Um, unless you're him, they really don't show great technique off their back. Now, I want to ask Christoph about it, because I, f- I think the reason for that is that they're just so big. There aren't many people that can hold them down, so they don't need to do much technique off their back, if that makes sense. Like, it literally is. Like, think of me. I'm about... Got some holiday weight. Mentioned it earlier. I'm about 80 kilo. If I'm in top position on Kristoff, I'm not holding him down. No. Like he's about, what, 125? I think so. The last time I spoke to him, he was about 125 kilo, something like that. It is literally just a case of bench pressing me. Like any 125 kilo man can bench press 80 kilo. Well, they really should be able to. Or like, you know, if they do any sort of training, probably the better way to put it. Like him, he's a professional fighter. So he can just push me off. So I reckon the problem that a lot of heavyweights have in MMA is that if you're that... You're naturally gifted anyway. You've got natural assets because you're just a big person. You're a big person. You're athletic. A lot of guys either go to different sports. It's a problem in the states. You know, if you if you're that, if you're like six foot four, six foot four, two hundred and fifty pounds, and you're quite athletic, you've probably got a pathway to the NFL and if not that, the NBA. Why would you risk your life in MMA when you can make money? When you can make money in those sports, you know. I was talking about this at work. The greatest job on the planet would be a third-string quarterback at an NFL club. You're never going to play. And if you do play, you can drop a stinker. Who cares? You're the third choice. But you'll still be on like a multi-million dollar contract. Could you imagine... I've had job offers like this. Could you imagine just getting that money? Not multi-million dollars, but times when I've been like, I should just take that money for one month, do a dreadful job, and that would sort me out for a a, a few months. So much. Yeah, I've I've thought about it so much. Have you... I feel like yeah that 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 you would do that even mm. if you got sacked. Yeah, yeah. How much money are they being paid to be there for one month? How much money are they being paid? Like, look at fuck. Uh, I was about to use a football example again. So I won't do that. I'm trying Let's to pretend like, I know yeah. football. Well, 
There's a signing that's happened in football recently that's a very confusing one. It's a uh, Voot Veghorst has gone to Manchester United. Voot Veghorst. Ah, of yeah. course. He's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Voot Veghorst. But he's, to be fair, actually, ironically, he's a fucking unit, to be fair. So I can understand why he plays football. He's like six foot six Dutch guy, which, to be fair, in Netherlands is average height, and they're all huge. Um, but yeah. He's contracted to Burnley, who are actually top of the championship, so they're way below Man United. Like, and he was loaned out to Turkey, Besiktas. It's just a weird transfer. There's no expectation on him to actually do well. Like, United don't really need him. They just need somebody to be there to knock the ball down. He could like Olivier Giroud won the World Cup with France in 2018, didn't score a goal. But he's a big guy and he does the job. Yeah. And to be fair, Olivier Giroud's quite good looking guy. He could have done anything to be fair if he, if he wanted to and he chose football, which is fair. Um, but it just goes back to that point. If you're gifted in that sense, certain techniques, bringing it back to MMA, they probably don't need those certain techniques, which is why you find in a lot of heavyweight MMA fights, whoever takes the other person down just tends to, tends to stay there. Because I, I couldn't imagine, if I were 260 pounds myself, I couldn't imagine being held down by anybody. So if somebody the same weight as you is holding me down and I'm trying to push them off because I'm so used to pushing people off because that's just how I know how to do it, but you can't actually do it, I get why they get tired. I really get why you'd get tired quickly in that situation because you've never had that weight on top of you. It's hard to find training partners at that size. It's an unfortunate situation. Yeah. It's something though that as the sport grows and develops you have to they're gonna have to make an effort especially yeah. head coach is gonna have to make an effort to to develop i'd be interested in seeing someone like a josh Merritt work with a heavyweight mm. because you would present a problem to josh of in the gym there is no one that is heavy enough in a standard gym say lines there is no one that is heavy enough to to put that kind of pressure on top of this fight the only couple of people I could think of that might be able to like maintain a top right obviously James I've never seen James and Christoph roll with each other but I, I can imagine James is clever enough yeah. and he's clever enough distributes his weight well enough to be able to keep Christoph down yeah. or if he gets up take him straight back down somebody a couple of the higher level jiu-jitsu players at our gym as well I reckon could do it for a certain amount of time Just like the bigger guys sort of I don't actually know how much Amrit weighs do you know what he competes at 70... What? That was not the answer I was expecting. Maybe 80. I was thinking he'd be in the low 80s, but Low 80s, around. late 70s. I think really? low, low 80s, yeah. Oh, man. I, need to, I haven't seen Amrick in a while, but I'd, I'd, I'd imagine just sort I'm of his I'm pulling frame. that number completely oh, out of my ass. Okay, I was going to say... He has told me, because I have... You know, he drove us to... All-Stars. I can't remember where mm. it was. Um, in Surrey. Mm. That uh, he drove us there and he was talking about his weight, so I can't mm. remember. I think it's fair. low eighties. To be fair, just based on his frame, based on his frame, I'd imagine he'd walk around sort of mid eighties. And obviously, again, he's a high level jujitsu player. I think in certain aspects, he'd be able to definitely compared to someone like me. Straight, to... straight jujitsu, uh, he could definitely submit. One hundred percent agreed. One hundred percent. But in terms of keeping him down, no, I think Amrick's playing bottom position in that. Do you think? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I was going to say Nogi, like, definitely. And this is the problem. There's no one really. At least, yeah, there's no one really that's sort of around that weight category that maybe is, I don't know, like, I don't want to say experienced enough or like, because, you know, we get some sort of newer people. You can't get them. You can't make them roll with like, so it's, no. it's a tough situation for someone like Christoph to develop sort of a bottom game. 
It's it would have to be a case of genuinely getting like a Leandro into yeah into yeah. camp yeah. with Chris. One hundred percent. Yeah. But otherwise, in terms of strength and conditioning, you'd have to emulate that sort of pressure in a gym setting. And I would love to hear Josh send me a DM or respond on Instagram or even just come on the podcast again and talk about that. Like that how, you how would you how, how would, would you, you create, approach that? How you create like a simulation, like a fight simulation, some like give somebody the hustle to get back up in that yeah, yeah. in that moment people, uh, people who don't know who I'm talking about Josh Merritt strength and conditioning is a fantastic PT in Coventry does a lot of the fight teams uh, strength and conditioning I see him work a lot with Melissa I see Melissa post yeah. a lot with Josh we call him the engineer because he is mm. an engineer mm. just if you need strength and conditioning even if you're just sort of doing whatever you're doing casually or you just want a PT go to him I, he, might, I might to be fair I've not actually met Josh personally but I think I might go to him for a bit of help with my knee because uh, yeah, I need to kind of get that sorted. To be fair, yeah, yeah, he's he's fantastic. But that yeah, that heavyweight problem is is yeah. always going to exist. But I think it's going to be fewer and further between. Especially because, especially as well, because any heavyweight that's sort of athletically gifted in MMA, the majority of them choose to go down to light heavyweight. If you look at um, someone DC. like let's yeah DC, well his was also because of his came. friendship as well yeah but yeah no you're right though when he was in college when he competed at the Olympics he would go to about 190 that sort of weight class 185 um, which I think is why he just decided not to cut weight when he got older because I know he hurt his back someone like John Jones I know he's probably about two probably mid 250s now yeah oh god uh, yeah yeah probably about that but he he always he was vocal about the fact he walked around 225 230 when he was a light heavyweight wasn't he or around 220. It was around that, about 15 pounds over the weight class, which is like reasonable cut. Again, technically, walks around as a heavyweight, chose to make the cut down. Another really good example who's one of my like, basically, I have a thing, I have a thing with like new entries into the, I'm a bit of an MMA nerd. I have a thing with like new entries into the UFC who I think is going to be good. I've spoke to, you can ask Jamal this when, when you next see him. Peter Yam was somebody I was like creaming over before he even got into the UFC, I said he's going to be a bantamweight champion. And then Jamal was like, who's this random Russian man you've just found? But I saw him fight Magomedov, the rematch in M1. Was it M1? I can't remember if it was M1. It was a Russian promotion, I think. But when I saw the way both of those two competed, like what is a national level promotion at the time, not like a major promotion, I was like, these two are fucking good. And Magomed Magomedov is now like a top ranked bantamweight in Bellator as well. They're both fantastic fighters. You can just kind of see people. Another one that I shouted for, I shouted for Ilya Taporia. I, I thought Ilya Taporia was going to be a monster. He's a bit of a dick outside the cage. He is a bit of a dick. Some of the things he's done. But um, yeah, I said he was going to be a monster. And I think if Volkanovski chooses stay at featherweight, I think Taporia is probably going to be his hardest fight. Um, provided, you know, if Volkanovski is unsuccessful against Makachev, goes back down. There's a few good featherweight fights he can have to defend the belt more. He's actually an example... I won't segue. Uh, I'll segue back to that. Um, but yeah, other other guys I've shouted out, one I'm about to mention now, Jalton Almeida at heavyweight. He's not a heavyweight. He walks around 225 and he weighs in 225 for his heavyweight fights, but he smoked everybody because he's a jiu-jitsu black belt, uses the wrestling and just nobody really knows how to handle it because he's just a high level top player. He could do either, either divisions because he's not undersized at heavyweight and he's a in big 205, well, I say that, he's a big 205-er, there's some big 205-ers anyway, because of the point we made. Uh, like, Jiri Prohaska, uh, he could easily fight a heavyweight if he wanted to. Like, look at his frame, dude. Like, he's massive. Jan Blachowicz. Jan Blachowicz. Oh, I love him to bits. What a guy. Gordua. 
Poland. I love him. Um, yeah, no, he when he won the belt, I was so happy. But yeah, there's a lot of guys that have kind of like over the years when I've really got into MMA, I've kind of shouted out and been like, yeah, have a look at him because he could be somebody that becomes, you know, very good. One that I did screw up, um, and I'll happily admit when I screw up, I thought Otman Azaita would be a lot better. But then he had the really weird like fiasco on Fight Island with like a bag of potatoes and he got kicked out of the UFC, didn't fight for two years and then got sparked by Matt Frivola in his last fight. Like a big return. I was like, yes, my fucking controversial boy is back. And then he got sparked in his last fight, but he's still an amazing fighter. Um, yeah, there are a lot. There are lots of things like, there are lots of people like that. But yeah, sort of segueing back, talking about starting MMA late. Volkanovski is probably the best example you think. He started committed training, I think, 24. He's got a similar background to you, though. Yeah, sport background. Yeah. So does that provide some sort of motivation? It does. It does, to be fair. Um, I think, obviously, his sport, massively based on where he's from. Again, it kind of segues back to the point of, you know, somebody could be a national champion in something, but if it's not a big sport in that country, how much weight can you put into it, right? But rugby uh, league is big. Rugby league is, parts. yeah, it's big in Australia, big in Australia, which is completely makes sense as to why that's why he transitioned into. Um, and obviously he's obviously a shorter guy. I think he was a front man. Yeah, he was, a, he was a prop, I think. Yeah, was yeah I think prop? he was a prop. Yeah, yeah, he was a prop, yeah, front row. It was 2.15, um, I think. Was it 2.15? I've heard so many numbers. <laughs> I've heard so Was it 2.15 yeah. two makes sense he was for in somebody who's right. Yeah, I remember it was like a meme that he was like, oh, he cuts a featherweight from like 2.80. Uh, but yeah, no, like, yes, yeah, so 2.15 makes sense for like sort of his five foot six. So not only does he have experience of walking around a lot heavier, so that's just going to mean his bones are thick. Like his bones are going to be strong from carrying around a lot more mass. Rugby as a sport is school of hard knocks. You're going to be used to... I, I played a bit of rugby when I was about 11 or 12. Actually, my, my first ever double concussion was in a rugby game. Um, I got concussed, didn't know I was concussed and decided to, you know, really hammer that home and like went for a tackle with dreadful technique and nutted somebody's knee proper like went like temple to knee and I, had to go, I got like five days off school it was quality though um <laughs> do it again would do it again um would recommend yeah would genuinely if you want a few days off school kids nah uh yeah so I Volkanovski has had those years of prep for that but yeah making that transition he's used to contact sports maybe not so much as me football you didn't really get I was never the type of guy to like make a meal of contact when I played football but um the main injuries I encountered with football, because I, I was quite quick. I used to be like, you know, sort of like quick, nippy striker. So the main problems I encountered, you find this a lot with people that are quick. If you look at sprinters as well and like the Olympics, the main issue they'll find is with their hamstrings because your hamstring is like essentially like the bicep of the leg. If you look at how the, quad, the quads are sort of, you know, constructed, the hamstring's like key for explosion. That's the one that goes. When you, when you suddenly have to explode from like one position, that's the one that tends to be put into the most strain. So I had a lot of hamstring issues growing up. Um, not contact issues though. So Volkanovski's probably came from a more easily transitionable sport because he'll know a bit of technique. But you find this with gymnasts as well. The wear on your body in rugby is nuts crazy yeah it is crazy nuts, yeah so and i'm not saying he looks bad because he looks fucking fantastic and mentally he is clearly used to taking that punishment mm-hmm. it makes me wonder how long his body's going to hold up for if, if, if anything talk- it's amazing at 34 he's getting better he is he's in his prime yeah he's you, in his fighting prime yeah do you know what i didn't like him for the longest time really i, I yeah. always quite liked volkanovsky to be fair uh i I, I'm he a Holloway was another fan. One. 
He was another one I'd called there out. Yeah, go. to Jamal, actually, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, a, I'm a Holloway fan, and yeah. that first That's fight... That's fair, yeah. Um, I, I think kind of... I can kind of see the first fight, the second fight, I think. Holloway oh, got yeah, robbed. no, yeah, no, I, I agree. I thought the first fight, Volkanovski, I had it 4-1. I thought Volkanovski, the leg kick, the leg kick game plan was fantastic. Max Holloway had never really been kicked like that. Like, at least... He'd been kicked like that, but not as a game plan. Like, that was a fantastic game plan. The third fight, I think there are two factors in that. I think, number one, Volkanovski absolutely looked the best he's ever looked. Ever looked, yeah. But B, I also think that that was Max's fight to lose. I think Max lost that fight. He didn't have that same... Mm. Just, he didn't look good. Yeah. And talking about mileage... Yes. Max has been in the UFC since I couldn't even I'm 23 now I could not even imagine the shit that guys like Cheeto Vera Charles Oliveira Max Holloway doing that at the ages they did that like who's that um, Raul Rosas 17 years old in the UFC hey I don't really think that's morally correct I don't really think he should be yeah there. I don't think so but talking about the UFC we talked about this at the gym actually I think I, I know I talked to Mikey and Abby about it morally it's not good having the young youngster in the UFC but we talk about the UFC, morals go out the window a little bit. It's, it's a very dodgy organisation, just like in terms of a lot of things they do. Um, and uh, yeah, less said about less said about Dana White at the minute, you know, the better. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of them, isn't it? It's one of those. But uh, yeah, him doing that stuff at 17. Jesus Christ. Like you, you wonder where somebody like him in about 10 years time, 27, when he's meant to be in his athletic prime, he probably won't be. Look at Sage Northcutt. Look at Paige Van Zandt. Again, going back to gymnastics, the, the age they're putting gymnasts into intensive training and into high-level competition is getting later and later because, what I mean, firstly, if you put kids in intensive training, this has been studied and proven, if you put kids in intensive sport training at an early age, it delays adolescence, mm. which mm. is mm. very bad for a number of reasons. Like, do you, you ever see that shit on TikTok when it's like, oh, nine years old, benching 135? It's like, what are you oh, doing? So that's kind of different. Like, do, you not, do you think? So, so this has come up uh, recently a few times between sort of people that I talk to who know so much more about this than me. The whole thing about kids... Uh, not lifting or lifting not lifting more than their body weight and stuff mm. like that um, that was disproven 10 years ago it's a very Instagram thing as far as the way I understand it. it's a very Instagram thing because it's people who have heard something and they know a little bit about mm. lifting that's not the dangerous part it's the constant reps it's the 6 hour training sessions it's the mental wear and tear it's the physical damage on a child's body not an adolescent's body mm. or not not even a an adult's body um in gymnastics and, and in mma concussions to a kid this is why in in mma and in kickboxing we don't let kids head spar until they're is 14 at interclub now yeah i believe it might be 16 mm. at amateur level and even then the brain takes it's a not, long time to develop ex- is exactly that, yeah there, there are these th- these rules are in, in place for a reason. The damage done at a younger age is, yes, they re- they repair and recover faster. But if it's serious damage, it will it will take long. It, it will stay with them. Really, fucking hell. It's and it's you know and it, it affects mm. their their actual development. Not mm. even you know how their bones heal. It affects mm. their their hormonal development. So you got to be careful with that. You can't push towards younger and younger kids competing yeah training 
fantastic. Sure. Yeah. And it's going to happen. But this is why gymnastics is pushing to people competing at a, a more reasonable age. So mm. in into their early to mid-20s. There's one woman specifically who I can't remember. She's She competed in the most recent Olympics. She's competed in every Olympic since... I, th- I can't remember which Olympics. 91, Do you know what? I think I know who you're on about. Um, I saw a tweet about... I can't remember her name. She's in her 40s. Like and she's fucking fantastic. But yeah. that's very much the exception. She, uh, and she competes Olympic level gym, gymnastics. Mm. And a lot of the time medals. Anyway, you can't push towards it going too early. But that's always that's going to happen as as because kids want to compete. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the 17 year old thing. Yeah. Wasn't Chase Hooper 18 or 19? When 18 he... when he fought on Dana White Contender Series with that's my. And limit. I, I'm a massive. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Chase Hooper as well. I think uh, he's, Joe Rogan says he's really sneaky. Yeah, I think on <laughs> he's really sneaky, like him, you know. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I love everything Chase Hooper's about. However, his striking. I, I really, like, from watching him, I, he's doing a bit better, and I think it was a very good move off it. I don't know if he's still doing it, but I saw it. He started training at um, Upstate Karate, Wonder Boys Gym. I don't right. know if that's the correct name for the gym, but uh, yeah, obviously, no. yeah, started training at that gym. For his style, a karate base is actually a fantastic idea, to be fair. Like, I thought that was a really good idea to have a bit more, a bit sort of karate striking, lengthy, use the fact that he's very tall featherweight, because as the guy thickens out, because he's going to thicken out. It's going to happen. He probably is going to have to compete at lightweight or face cutting loads of weight. Um, but yeah, when I saw his striking, particularly, and it was a fight that I really thought he should win. And ah, oh, the guy fought. He had like a fight of the year contender last year, which is why I'm really annoyed that I can't remember his name. It was against Julian Arosa. Damn. I know Julian Arosa got the decision, but it was a ding. Like it was such a good fight. Um, I'm sure he fought him. And it was a fight where it was a case of if Chase gets it to the ground, it's, it's game over. Like, it's game over. I may be mixing him up, um, but he just, the striking was just poor. Like, he just couldn't, he, he couldn't really close distance. His striking looked really, like, lack of power in it. And I was thinking, would it have been so wrong to not, after he won his contender series fight, couldn't you have just given him a couple of years before Alex you put Caceres. him in there? Wouldn't be Alex Caceres. Did he win? It would be Hakeem... Dawodu, Stephen Peterson. Stephen Peterson. Right. I think it's Steve. Yes, it is Stephen Peterson that had the fight with Julian Rosa. Yes. Uh, yeah, because Alex Caceres finished uh, Julian Rosa like last month, I'm pretty yeah. sure, finished yeah. him with a head kick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was a beauty. That was a beauty. I love that combination. The flipping throw, same side kick. So you throw a hand and it's the same side kick a la Leon Edwards. Like very, that shit works. That's going to become very popular. I do it a lot in Sparring. Yeah, I was practicing um, it. Um, last, it's a good it's a good session. combination especially if you can like if you become natural with it the first person to really use it actually was Bobby Whitaker. he's yes. really really good with that right hand follow it up and he fucking rocked everybody with it right background man yeah exactly which is where I was thinking Chase Hooper was going with it based off of some of the striking I've seen in his last few fights um, I'm not convinced he's carried on with it but it's like you're so young man you're a brown belt at your age which is fucking unbelievable take a bit of time you've done the hard stuff learning the grappling first take a bit of time to maybe really sharpen up that strike because in the UFC there will be no prisoners taken you will get seriously hurt if you're you know you're not polished I think that's where MMA is going you have to be good at everything now the level of some amateur lads man like think of the level at the gym at our gym the level of some of the amateur guys like if you're not on it at those MMA sparring sessions you're getting your ass whooped 100% like, there were times getting ready there were times getting ready for October. 
I was more nervous about going to training. <laughs> like genuinely, I was like, shit, I'm going to get battered. I say this all the time. You do not realise the level of our gym until you see until people you from our gym actually go. Compete. Yeah, yeah, Be- yeah. Literally, you see the competition. you're in a vacuum, right? And, and sometimes people, we talk about people being in a vacuum and it being bad because they're surrounded by yes men. Yeah, yeah. At this gym, there are no yes men. Yeah. And you kind of can feel like you're getting smashed a lot. And then you go and compete or then you see someone else compete and you go, oh, okay, oh, yeah. this um, is high level. Yeah, I'm in you, a fucking pit. If you compare like James's fundamentals kickboxing class to any other kickboxing class, it's you still a lo- very high level. Yeah, you get taught a lot of good stuff in James's kickboxing. But I remember... I remember beefing him about this after a sparring session. Well, not like not actually beefing him, but I was like, Bad I remember choice. Cause he, cause he kept whooping me in like, and I remember he like whooped me with something. I like tried to catch him with something. And he'd avoid it, and then I remember after the session, I was like, I can't fucking hit you, and he, he was there like, yeah, you know, you'll get it. And I'm like, it's, it's bollocks because you do the shit you taught me. <laughs> you know how to avoid it, uh, and it, it was it was a laugh to be fair. But it's like when you're getting taught the right things, even if you can't, it's one of those things. If I'm going to teach you how to. If I'm going to teach you how to jab and I'm going to teach you how to evade the jab, you're going to do the jab how I've taught it so I know how to evade it. That was what I was trying to get at. Uh, obviously, only a laugh though. Like they're, they're never, never serious. With, I'm never serious with anybody at the gym. I don't think I've ever gotten serious before. No. Um, possibly, maybe, actually no, that isn't true to be fair. I've had a few times where I've been um, quite pissed off but never to the point that I actually start acting out and like trying to like fucking start elbowing and stuff like that but i've had a few times where people have sparred way too hard uh, but you tend to find those people kind of get whittled out they yeah don't they don't really, last yeah they don't, they last. don't last yeah yeah literally i find it a lot there's been a couple of guys and you know they will know who they are uh so i won't i won't mention anybody but there's been a few times i've had some rounds and normally if i'm starting to get beefy in a round i'll start kind of slapping my gloves so i'll kind of start clapping my gloves yeah. together and be like okay yeah we're fighting now um i've done that a few times I've done that a few times, but never to the point. And I remember there was um, there was one guy that drilling in MMA was wearing like, not minis, he was wearing like fucking pro gloves, like yeah, four yeah, ounce yeah. gloves. And he used to, I remember a lot of people didn't like this. He used to actually like hit you when you were drilling. Cause, and, and it was just like, what are you doing? Like he'd, he'd like drill with me. And he used to, and I remember there was one time we were doing MMA sparring and I was, I was in mount. I was, I was in mount. Like I'd mounted him and he started trying to like hammer fist me from the bottom. I'm like, I'm in mount. What are you doing? Like you need fucking bridge. But he was like fully hitting me from mount. And I'm like, fuck this. I'm ch-. like, cause obviously he's giving me, like you find a lot in sort of um, amateur MMA. People will sort of make mistakes that you won't find at the professional level. I find the easiest choke to sink in on people is a head and arm choke. Mm-hmm. If you're in mount, what people tend to do is instead of going for your hips, like they should, They'll try and like push up on your shoulders, yeah. Which don't, don't do, do that. Like, do not do that. Because if you're pushing up on my shoulders, I just have to pick a side. If the cage is on the left, I'll push mm. that arm that way and I'll sink it ahead and arm. I think it's the fair strikes because you'd never do that in jujitsu. Never do that. Well, in jujitsu, you you attack the hip. You yeah, try right. And re- yeah, you you, you like in mount in, in MMA, you fucked up. And even, but you've got to stick to your guns. But the thing is, even in MMA, it. You've got to be very quick with it. You've got yeah, to be yeah, committed yeah. to it, but you can still attack the hip as long yeah, yeah. as you're quick enough. The well, only it's, issue it's one with of your only it, options. Yeah. The, the only issue you've got with doing that is that A, you can potentially leave yourself open to get smashed. Yeah. And B, attacking the hip, you can give up your back. You could give up an arm as well. Because you you've got to be super technical in exactly. how you do it though, right? If you turn too much onto your side. Exactly. You've got exactly. your back taken and your because arm taken. If I'd, you don't, then you've not committed to it enough. Exactly. Because I'd actually argue with where MMA is going... Full mount isn't as advantageous as maybe something like three-quarter mount is. 
because in three yeah. quarter, in three quarter you match, he still sort of broke their posture. Mm-hmm. I remember Armin Zarukian, which is another guy I love watching him fight. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Armin Zarukian in his most recent fight, not the loss to Gamrot. It was against Damiris Magulov, who again, unfortunately, he's retired, but a monster. Zarukian had mount and actually willingly stepped into three-quarter mount. Yeah, because I, I felt, remember that fight. Yeah, he felt like he had more control. Do you, do you remember the bit I'm getting at? Yes. I think it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the commentators was there like, I see why he's doing that. He feels more comfortable there to actually throw strikes. You're seeing more and more people do it. Yeah, I think that may be sort of people like, like a half guard as well. People like half guard. Also, also yeah. if you look and take the back, you've got a hook in already. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's exactly it. So Twist I find, the side control. It, like, yeah. people, people love, you know, <laughs> going to truck. Um, you've, yeah, you've got a hook in exactly, exactly. Because I find a lot of, I find a lot of the time in sort of, um, but it is genuinely a lack of experience. Because if you find somebody better, they're not going to do that. But when instead of sort of the conventional cover up that you would do in the mini gloves, yeah. if you're getting shots rained down on you by somebody in mount, you're covering up like this. You're mm-hmm. trying to parry it away, but you need to get out and you need to sort of time it so that you can bridge them to throw them over. That's yeah. normally the main escape, but. When someone's less experienced, and you find this a lot, if you ever watch a street fight as well, um, you find a lot, if somebody's punching you, they do sort of the push the face away, Mm -hmm. get off me, like that sort of like get off me type stuff. Like uh, Mm -hmm. they're not actually defending themselves. If you ever see somebody cover up properly in a street fight, you're in a fight, like, because they probably know what they're doing a little bit. If you see somebody like flailing their arms a lot, you know, not that I condone street fighting, never, you should never do that. Use words. But um, yeah, it, it's one of those, like, when you find it in some of the sparring situations, people will do that, just push off, and it just gives you an arm. And that's what this guy did, because he was, like, hammer-fisting, like, fucking Gilbert Burns versus Shemaev, just like, fuck jiu-jitsu, I'm just going to hammer-fist you. Like, it's the, uh, yeah, those those sorts of situations are weird, but, I, you know, you learn quickly not yeah, to do that. Yeah, you learn so fast, yeah. I, I did stupid shit, when I, I still do stupid it's shit. It's interesting you talk about people uh, sparring hard, and you, you know, you occasionally, very, very rarely getting worked it's, up by people. Yeah, it's because, weird. Because I, I, in grappling, striking, MMA, whatever, um, we haven't sparred much, but I always found you a very good round in terms yeah, of we're going to keep it technical. Um, and if I ever I, we did a round recently we kickboxing. Did. I remember I sort of caught you with a body shot it was oh it was I, so I, good no no but I kind of oh yeah I was quite proud of that yeah, it, was it, was, nice. it was a good shot but I also remember being like because I, I knew you again a bit so I was a bit like all good like I didn't yeah, yeah. stick it on you mm-hmm. there are some people that sometimes can't flick that switch kind mm-hmm. of forget they're at training a little bit and be like ah oh, I'm winning I'm winning and it's like that's where the maturity comes in a bit like the only, I will say this, the only times I'll ever get worked up is if it's somebody that's not really a regular, if it's somebody I'm not around too much. Really? Like I've, yeah, it, mostly because I guess when you're not around somebody much or if it's sort of a newcomer to the gym, there isn't really an established relationship, right? You've right. not really, but what I find with people is the more you spar with them, the more you actually have sort of a tacit pace, sort yeah. of an unspoken pace that yeah, you yeah, know yeah. to go at. Either that's because you're both getting ready for a fight you know they're better than you or you know you're better than them. Those are really the three mm-hmm. scenarios. Um, so with someone like, for example, Ollie, yeah, me and Ollie tend to go quite fast yes. with each other because I know he's not going to try and kill me, but he's an am- he's an amazing for an amateur level kickboxer. So it's like, you know, he can go faster and I know he's not going to kill me, but it also sharpens me up. With someone like Garon, again, fantastic with feints he's somebody that's really really good to like learn how to close distance against a lengthier fighter because he faints all the fucking like he faints so much he's so hard to fight um with like someone like melissa as well 
faints so much. She's so fast. Like I, I, I hadn't sparred with her for ages, but the other day in minis, we just did boxing. So my knees battered. She's so fast. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I yeah. Can fucking fuck me. Like I couldn't, I couldn't touch her. But there's like again, I've sparred those people enough that there's a pace there mm-hmm. with Jamal. Me and Jamal will lamp each other a bit harder than we probably mm-hmm. should, but it's because we've been mates for about ten years, so we'll just do it and it's fun. Um, but then with people that aren't there that much, if you don't know me and then you smack me, let's do it. <laughs> like, I don't know you, so let's do it. And that's coming from somebody that, as you said, I'm, I'm not really asked about it. So, yeah. <sighs> right, this short break was brought to you by P3 Protein, the uh, sponsorship of the UFC. <laughs> Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. You're such a nerd. <laughs> Mate, I'm an MMA nerd. I told, I warned you about this. I know, I know far too much about sport for my own good. Yeah, we're gonna come back to that. Yeah. Do you? Uh, so you mentioned a couple of times on the podcast about sparring in the the minis, as you call them. I call them stingers. Yes. I, I, I Do you like up, the stingers? I've I've picked up minis. I've actually picked up that term from Melissa. I really like that term. To be fair, minis. Um, yeah. No, I I don't mind it. I think as long as you're controlled. I think as long as you're controlled and uh, you, as I said, it kind of goes back to what we're talking about. As long as there's an established relationship with a sparring partner um, and, you know, you know how hard you're going, you know what you're really there for. Like, you know, the other night I can only box and James made it clear to everybody that I can only box. Uh, So I kind of said to everyone, feel free to fake a takedown if it's there. If we get into a clinch, feel free to like take a leg. Just please don't smash me because like I don't know how bad this is yet. I think you can really get like mutually, particularly because the guards are so different. Like when you've got the smaller gloves on, 100%. when you've got the stink, like the guards are so different. I think it's so important to have like a slower pace where you can really learn how to adjust your guard and like, you know, parrying's different. Everything's so different that I think it, it can be really beneficial as long as you have like a good partner. Yeah. Yeah. I always find myself a lot more conservative with my striking in yeah. interclub settings with the minis on rather than the the big gloves because you're a nice person <laughs> there are some really? pe- there are some people at interclubs that will try to smash you just because you've got small gloves on yeah, yeah. or like because you'll find in fairness you've done a lot more interclubs than me so I've only done the three but my first interclub like the first fight I had in the interclub the guy literally like smashed me with a low kick to which at first I was like the fuck <laughs> I was like I don't, I don't, we're fighting and then he like came with like an overhand and swung it so hard and I was actually thinking has he done that because he's trying to like sleep me or is he just so used to wearing bigger gloves that he's forgetting that he needs to pull it a bit because mm-hmm. he was a really nice guy when I spoke to him after so I yeah there's always that that question isn't there like yeah you need to be yeah there the, in the gym especially you've got to be You've got to be aware that these are your teammates. This is something we, we really hammer home yeah, with the kids. Yeah. I spoke to... They're your teammates. Yeah. I remember I spoke to um, Sim and Lee about it a long time ago because I think there was... You know, there's been a couple of like K1 sessions where like somebody's went into the group chat and been like, guys, <laughs> I remember we're friends. A couple of times I've asked them about it and been like, yeah, what, what sort of happened? They've been like, yeah, the people just need to remember like somebody's wearing a knee brace. That probably means they've hurt their knee. Don't smash their knee. If somebody says... You know, I've hurt my side. Don't smash their side. It's just common sense. It is. It's it common really sense. Is. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the time, the people saying that stuff are the people who've been around a while. Yeah, that's you know, it. They that's it. love the club. They they want it to develop and grow. And they've seen enough people come into the gym and not understand that, mm. cur- like that, that courtesy. Yeah. And the, they've seen the results of it. Yeah. Some t- I think the only time where my only experience with mini gloves... 
where I ended up actually getting some damage off of it um, was sort of like an extra Saturday session. Garen was getting ready for his December fight against, you know, the guy he choked out in the first round. He got like the really yes, naked. I can't yeah. remember his name. Jazz? Was yes, it Jazz, Jazz yeah. Singh. Jazz Singh, yeah. So he was getting ready for that fight. We did like an extra on a Saturday and it was literally, it kind of hammered home. I think to all of us, I think we all learned a lesson that day because it wasn't like bad damage. It was basically just a bit of swelling and a black eye basically. But the punch that was thrown was so light, like it would never, like it would never have caused any damage in a big glove. But it just so happened that we broke off a clinch and I just got caught with a cross and it just caused my eye to swell. And I think we all learned a lesson that day because when I came in on Monday, um, James kind of saw my eye and he was like, oh no I think it was on the Saturday actually he was PT and I kind of went to him I was like little Christmas present he was like yeah you gotta be so careful in the little gloves I think a part of him was like for fuck's sake like they need to be careful Um, which is why introducing the minis on Wednesday I've that we've not done that like in the MMA sessions it's always been big gloves for the shoot boxing introducing that as I think trying to transition Mm -hmm. towards like really teaching good habits to everybody yeah Um, yeah because as I said it can be it's way better being comfortable in mini gloves if you're going to you fight MMA you, you need, need to be it. comfortable yeah it's also just a sports psychology thing right yeah. again Alicia's going to get annoyed because I'm talking about stuff that I don't know about but you should prepare for competition by emulating as close to competition as possible right? yeah yeah competition in, like, like yeah because when I spar when I spar in K1 I'm a big advocate for high pace low power I'm a very big advocate yeah. for controlled power particularly to the head we're seeing more and more and more and more in the next few years we're going to see the long-term effects on particularly the generation of fighters that we have now because the sports came so far in such a small period of time if you think mixed martial arts as an entity um you know a combat sport started in the mid-90s with the first ufc event as you it had is stuff right like, now yeah, yeah. yeah and you had stuff like pancrase stuff like that you had you know sort of like japanese shooter wrestling which actually had a predetermined outcome there's a lot of like overlap. Uh, well uh, yeah. we can talk about the history of that that's yeah. my area yeah. of expertise. yeah there's a proper there's an overlap though isn't there between like pro wrestling combat sports stuff like that well, new, new japan used to be um, a mixture of uh pro wrestling and yeah. shoot fights exactly like which is Oh, they weren't. Yeah, it was literally a shoot all fight, the, wasn't it? All, yeah, the, all, yeah. the, all the guys, especially... Inoki's the most famous one. Uh, Shibata, I think, is, is probably a close second. Uh, Inoki, all of these guys were legitimate fighters. Even Shinsuke mm. Nakamura. Legitimate MMA legitimate fighter. Legitimate MMA fighter. What was he, like, four and three or something like that? Something think, like that. Yeah, he had, like, um, a record. Oh, I can't remember his... Uh, but Alberto El Patron. Uh, Alberto, oh, Del Alberto Del Rio. Del Rio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he, he was an he, MMA fighter. He was. Yeah. Um, Shayna Baszler was a was a women the yeah, MMA fighter as well I don't know how well she did I don't know if her record was that exemplary it was, it was quite good until she got to the UFC ah I see which yeah. can happen that can happen there's yeah, a lot of 100%. good fighters yeah um, Shayna Baszler is fucking sick but like she's well, wrestling like, I, yeah, yeah I don't she's, watch it as much so I, I used yeah, to fair I've, I've only I've only gotten I've started to actually get back into it a little bit to be fair like watching highlights and stuff. When I was a kid, I used to fucking love that shit. I, I struggle to keep up just because I'm working so much. Yeah, no, but which I, is fair. It's, it's my passion. The, the so. top 10 moment highlight videos. They're, they're the ones I always look at just to like, see what's going on. Um, but yeah, sort of what we were saying, um, combat sports as an entity, it's still a very new thing. It's still very much in its infancy as like we're a mainstream learning. sport. Even as a mainstream sport, you, you can kind of really trace it back to to a lesser extent to what it is now, but if you look at Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner, God rest Stefan Bonner, that fight really was a massive platform to get UFC into, you know, actually get them invested in. You know, it was a real chance they could have went out of business if it didn't catch on, but they got invested in because of that fight. Um, 
but then obviously guys like Jones, well, to a lesser extent Jones, but you know Anderson Silva, sort of on that same bracket. Then you had the star makers like Rousey and McGregor that got it very popular. Um, you're finding that the long-term effects of the sport, it's still so in living memory that we're not really seeing it. But you look at step head trauma and effects of head trauma. Look at someone like Tito Ortiz. He was never, like when he was younger, he was never necessarily the sharpest tool in that. So with the greatest of respect, you know, you're not, not everybody's going to be fucking Einstein either. Um, but he was a lot better spoken when he was younger. Like he was way clearer. He could speak a lot better. These days he struggles quite a lot. Same with Nate Diaz. Look at Nate Diaz 10 years ago. Look at him now. You think, Jesus, okay, this is worrying. Head trauma in this sport is something that we're not really seeing. It's, it's a tales all the time in boxing, but it's just not quite as... And we, I think we're going to see with this generation of fighters sort of where the sport's going in terms of that. Um, do you not think that... Almost to your point, but also conversely, do you not think the sport is probably safer than boxing in terms of... I, I would actually agree it is, ironically. I would agree it is with everything, but I think certain mentalities and sort of paradigms of thought in MMA in even in the last 15 years have modernized very quickly you know you can even ask James about this uh when I spoke to him about sort of my experience with my first weight cut he told me about things that he used to have to do for his weight cuts and genuinely I was looking at him thinking how are you alive like what how are you alive they had you shadow boxing in a sauna stuff like that where it's like, you know, we go back to, we were bantering earlier on about the fucking, you know, the meathead tap out, all that sort of stuff. Like, you know, fucking, you know, chicken at 5am in the morning, little shot of test at six in the morning, carry on like stupid stuff like that. Chains of thought like that, thankfully, as the sport's got mainstream, it's becoming a lot more scientific and there's a lot more healthier methods of recovery for people. And, you know, even weight cutting, like the whole concept of going keto for the week, water loading to get your body used to processing, going keto to let your body process the carbs that it has left, get you ready for acute weight loss. It works so well. That wouldn't have been a thing back then. That's what I think. Would you like to see the weight cutting removed from the sport? I'd love to see it removed from the sport. I'll be honest. I think um, I'm not... (laughs) It's it's difficult. It's, It's a difficult one because I know 1FC, probably the biggest promotion that has hydration tests... I may be speaking out of turn, but I don't know that hydration tests are actually accessible to the public. So when you introduce something like that, but don't make it accessible to the public, it very much opens itself up for corruption that somebody can say they rehydrated a certain percentage, but maybe they didn't. And you look at corruption within MMA recently, it's been recently investigated. We talked about it before we even started stuff that's went on with James Krause in particular things that aren't accessible if, if you're going to do something like if you're going to remove weight cutting or you're going to introduce hydration testing you need to make it public information you need to make sure that everybody's accountable unfortunately with a lot of things in this world where money's involved and where legacy's involved where ego's involved things like that don't happen uh things like that get swept under the rug it's a tales all this time um in my opinion, the best fights from last year occurred when it was a short notice catch weight agree look at Costa Vittori what a fight. I guarantee you if Costa killed himself to get to 85, he would have got slept. And Vittori, fucking, I know the guy's made of iron anyway, but some of the digs he took in that fight against a very clearly like 220 plus Paolo Costa, like 
amazing fight, but they didn't kill themselves to get down to the weight. You find as well a lot. Nathaniel Woods has um, sort of regalvanized his UFC run. Not to not to say he was like struggling at bantamweight, but he took a couple of losses. And a couple of losses when you move into the UFC, depending on how you come back from them, you look at someone like Charles Oliveira's came back from early losses. Loads of examples, I can name loads, but Nathaniel Woods has moved up to featherweight. He's got a huge fight coming up against um, Leroy Murphy, which is kind of a shame because I obviously don't want to see two English guys, but if they've got to do it, they've got to do it. But he's doing a lot better because he's given himself the extra 10 pounds. Um, I th- I, there are just so many examples of people yeah, who, when so they many haven't examples. cut weight. Within the gym, when Melissa was doing IMAFs mm. and she wasn't, you know, she was watching her diet, but she wasn't cutting. Because you can't, because you because fight you like day after day, aren't you? Like, there's no way to do it. Yeah. yeah. So she was fighting at 145. <laughs> she looked relative to her other performances, you know, where she was fighting a bantamweight amateur. She got to the final, didn't she? Uh, she the in final. the European, she got to okay. the final. Uh, she lost a, quite frankly, bullshit decision. Oh, really? In I'll, the I'll be honest, I've never seen the fight. Round. Yeah, I've never seen it. Uh, yeah, she, she looked fantastic at, mm. at featherweight. Um well, she fought really well against um, an Aries against uh, uh, Rizal Zouak. God, yeah, uh, fought really, Considering sort of the you know the rest of the, sort of you know the grappling pedigree, the judo- the judoka pedigree again, linking back to the point, Olympic judoka from Morocco is judo that big in? Mor- I don't know if judo is big in Morocco at all, but it's one of them where you look at it and think, how good is she actually going to be? Then you see some of her fights, you think, yeah, she's fucking good. Yeah, to grapple in that way, you know, I I think Melissa's future could be a featherweight. Like for sure, yeah. but like, it's just unfortunate at the minute there aren't many girls for her to again development of the sport. There you isn't go. It? It's development of the sport. There's options. To be honest, women's combat sports actually is an interesting one, isn't it? Because it was fucking outlawed until like the late noughties anyway. Like you rarely would see, and it was really before Rousey, someone like Kat Zingana in Strikeforce sort of got it into the um, got it into. I don't want to say mainstream appeal because Kat Zingana may not scream to people of a certain age. Um, but definitely within the States, Kat Zingano was very popular and she's went on to movies since um, and stuff like that. But it's a sport, again, that if we're talking about MMA being in its infancy, women's MMA is a baby still. Like Interestingly, still. though, women's MMA, boxing is now catching up. And I mean, mm. within the last year, it's Yeah, it's to the bigger up. side, isn't it? Yeah. Um, in women's MMA... For the last however many years, it's been represented much better than Amazingly. Boxing. Amazingly, yeah. I didn't know who uh, Clarissa Shields was until she started calling out Amanda Nunes. Oh, really? That's crazy. Yeah, right? I mean, I'll you do. probably would as, uh, as a fan. Yeah, yeah. But, the, you know, you're seeing people like Katie Taylor, you know, at the, at the O2. Mm, you, mm. You're, you're seeing it develop more. It's like boxing's taken a look at MMA, how and they've realized UFC's how- presented women equally to the men if you give the girls a chance they'll show it yeah you just have to promote it properly. yeah 100% yeah and it's I think it's it's one of those things where circumstances could be a big thing for that um, boxing is a sport that's very in my opinion actually quite trapped in its roots yes. I think um, sort of the pathways you need to take more and more being looked at with more raised eyebrows I think in sort of the information age is it really right that somebody like, I'm just going to come out with a totally random example, but if you look at Anthony Joshua's first few pro fights, look at the record of his opponents. So you're saying an Olympic Olympic winner shouldn't be fighting these guys. Like, at the end of the day, I know they need to build experience, but come on. It's one of those where it's like, should they, 
dodgy matchmaking should it happen it's the money yeah yeah I think women's boxing where women's MMA excelled women's boxing sort of was unfortunate in the sense it didn't have a star around the same time as women's MMA this was I mentioned Kat Zingano and then interestingly Chris Cyborg at a similar sort of time in sort of the Latin American circuit when Ronda Rousey blew up those two were touted to fight at featherweight and Rousey gave like a whole song and dance about I'm not fighting her because of her history with steroids, which in fairness, that's fair enough. Like, it's very, like Chris Cyborg has definitely been on steroids. Everyone knows this. Um, but yeah, it was a big song and dance, but it's weird how things sort of work out because if you look at where their careers have gone since, say Rousey took that fight back then, is women's MMA in the same spot now as it is, as it would have been if Rousey took that fight? I'd no. tender it wouldn't be because no. Rousey would have got slapped. But that's the UFC's problem at the minute. They're giving yeah. title shots and, you know, rank shots to, to people who are big stars right now. And there is definitely something to be said for capitalizing on what's hot right mm. now in terms of business. But there is also long-term booking. Mm. Mm. If, if that fight had been made you'd have killed one of those stars. You'd have killed a star, yeah. And it's it's really unfortunate, and I, I really do fucking hate this about women's MMA. Uh, and generally, to be fair, women's sport, and it's something that I'm about to contradict myself here because I'm sure every single lad can agree with this. Sometimes when you look at a women's athlete, a lot of people go, oh, she's good looking, lad, which is a shame. But it's a human thing, isn't it? People just do it. Ronda Rousey was fortunate, and actually Kat Zingano, again, I mentioned it a few times, they were fortunate in the fact that both quite good looking girls which appeal to the mainstream appeal, which is such a shame. It shouldn't. Their skill set should. What I'm trying to kind of get at is that the sport, women's MMA was able to blow up in the way that it was because Rousey became the figurehead of that relative to the time, not only because of her skill set, but because she had marketable assets too. Women's boxing, unfortunately, didn't have that at the same time, which is why I think only now it's catching up because at the time Rousey was winning her titles and defending with fucking armbars left, right and centre, Clarissa Shields, I think, won her first Olympic gold, which Olympic gold's an amazing, amazing, I'll never fucking do it, but Olympic boxing, at least from my understanding of it, could you tell me the last Olympic champions in boxing? I don't really watch the Olympics, to be honest. Exactly. It's one of those where it's, again, sort of drowned in its tradition, like, it's a thing that everyone knows is going on, but are you running to see it? Because instead you're thinking, okay, it's Olympic boxing, but it is the highest level of amateur boxing. People want to see what happens when they reach the professional stage. Again, it's that pathway, which is the pathway that I think maybe needs to be changed a bit for boxing to kind of rekindle itself a little bit at the moment. So would that mean you wouldn't be pro seeing MMA in the Olympics if I'd it could be standardised? I would absolutely love to see MMA in the Olympics. I, I, I'll be honest, I don't see why you can't have amateur rules at MMA in the Olympics, I guess with shinies. Standardisation. Yeah. I, I mean, it would be IMAFs, basically. Yeah, IMAFs, just but at Olympic level. It's, it's, it's standardisation. And I really don't which see... Which is a huge problem in, in like MMA at the have, amateur and professional scene. Yeah, and it's like, no, yeah, of course, it's a huge problem just in general for MMA, isn't it? Just standardising the actual rules. Like, why is it that um, I can agree to a fight with James in the UK and we have to fight under one rule set. But then if me and James kind of went to each other, I'm not being serious about this, by the way, but me and James He's went... calling you out, yeah, no, no, please. Uh, but just stupid example, first person I think of. But say we have to fight under a certain rule set in the UK. Me and James could then be like, oh, fuck it. Do you want to go fight in... Do you want to fight in Thailand? Now all of a sudden we can soccer kick each other. All of a sudden I can 
fucking knee him in the head when he's a grounded opponent. Like the standardization makes it, and I, th- I genuinely, genuinely think that is why Demetrius Johnson lost to Adriano Marias the first time round. Yeah, yeah. Because I genuinely think he had a brain. In- instinctual. I isn't really it, right? think he had a brain fart in the moment and thought he can't knee me. Well, Alicia just discovered. You know, Alicia's three, four years into the sport at this point. Mm. Alicia just discovered that one championship and used to have MMA fights in a boxing ring. Pride had MMA fights in a boxing ring and uh, traditionally a lot of MMA fights took place in a boxing ring. She's like, what the fuck? Whenever I say Pride, what's the first fighter you think of? Um, Ortiz. Ortiz, yeah. fair enough. There are two for me. I always think of Fedor and I always think of Vandalay Silva. Right. Because I just think of Vandalay Silva fucking t- discovered the tie clinch. <laughs> just fucking no one else was doing it at the time, really. He just need the shit out of everybody in Pride. But it's that boxing ring, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I think I think you're spot on with it. Like, standardization is key for like having MMA as an Olympic sport. Like, no disrespect to the sports that are involved in the Olympics, but are you going to be more interested in seeing like the gold medal event for skateboarding or are you going to be more interested in seeing the gold medal fight at MMA? In my my personal opinion, I feel like there's more mainstream appeal to the MMA than skateboarding. I could be speaking totally out of No, I think you're right. Because MMA is the competition. It's the closest thing you're going to get to a fight. And it's one of the most ancient sports. If you look at ancient ancient Greek pancreation, Mm -hmm. that's like the earliest example we have of MMA. Like, I mean, people have talked about it, you know, until they're blue in the face. When sports break down, when arguments happen, hockey rink, football pitch, rugby pitch, what happens? They get into fistfights. They get into scraps. MMA is that. Yeah. It's fundamental to everyone. Yeah, thousands, only, for thousands of years. The only that. thing it has against it is the grappling. Yeah. And I think that's going to grow because jiu-jitsu specifically is so good for people in general and mm. more and more people are discovering that i think that un- miss it's always going to be complicated but that non-appreciation for the grappling element of it and not understanding it that's going to diminish over time and then people are going to watch it if it gets to the olympics and go i understand what's happening here this is a fight mm. this is closer to a fight than anything you'll see anywhere mm. else. And I think that's you I think that's probably the thing that would make the Olympics explode. Mm. Yeah. Everyone would watch. And that would be the thing that I stick on the poster if mm. I'm in the Olympic committee. I would love to sit down with the Ema guys. So I think Dan might be involved again now, but Mark Goddard, Jimmy's now involved. Um there's a couple of um board people I I I, uh, I can't remember the names of. I'd love to sit down with them and just discuss if they have any and thoughts on, on that about mm. IMAF's development and the sport being in the Olympics potentially mm. that would be so good for people but you're right in terms of boxing that that is Commonwealth and uh, the Olympics well there's, the there's people the, go the, through yeah I suppose the problem the problem I have with boxing personally is because I think one thing that MMA is really good for is that uh, I guess because there's so many ways you can fuck somebody up in MMA there's so many ways to lose that if somebody has a few losses on their record, it isn't really be all and end all. In boxing, there's a pathway you're expected to take where whether you make it to Olympic level or not, whether you're a very good amateur, whatever. Um, you have a handful of fights against journeymen that are questionable in their motivation and questionable in their preparation and also not really sure if they've even been paid to win. 
So you take those fights, you win those fights, maybe you get challenged a little bit. Then what you do is you get to sort of regional level where you fight somebody that's also considered a regional regional prospect. You beat them. All of a sudden you're in national title eliminators. You win a couple of those, you fight for a national title, you fight for the British belt. You win that, you then go on to fight for the Commonwealth belt and stuff like that. Then through that, you then go into your world title eliminators or European title eliminators. If you take one loss on that road, on that pathway, you are essentially back two spaces. The best example I can think of, um, albeit he's now at world level, was Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce were matched up for the Commonwealth title. They both smoked everybody. Uh, a better example is probably actually Isaac Chamberlain was beaten by Dubois. That's actually probably a better example is at the national level. Dubois, Chamberlain fought for a national title. Another good example you could think of is Dylan White versus Anthony Joshua. That was actually for the British belt, which is nuts to think, uh, considering how big of an event that was. But that set Dylan White back, losing that fight. He had to then go win a couple, then win the British title. So he's now all of a sudden a year behind Joshua, despite being at the same level. I've not even seen Isaac Chamberlain again since he lost to Dubois. I, I know he does still box. I think he may be at the European level now. But losses in boxing are so detrimental. Like, they are so detrimental to somebody's career that unless you have a fantastic promoter, unless you've developed kudos, someone like Derek Chisora, Derek Chisora's boxing record doesn't warrant where he is in the rankings. If you look at it from the conventional perspective of what we're expect, you know, what you're taught to think of in boxing, he's got about 10 losses now. In MMA, I think people are a lot better at contextualizing those losses. I think they're a lot better at thinking, okay, they took a loss, but it was to a rear naked choke 10 seconds in. Okay, they just didn't defend their back. Unfortunate. Doesn't mean he's a shit fighter. Just, you know, they got taken down, just didn't react quick enough. Or you look at who they fought and you think, oh, bloody hell, um, Colby Covington was, oh, sorry, Kamara Usman was choked out in his um, second fight or something. This guy then went on to lose to Colby Covington in the regional scene as well. But Kamara Usman learned from that mistake and went on like a 25 and beat and run. If that loss happened in a boxing ring, if Kamara Usman in his third fight was beaten in the first round, I think it might have been the third round, but if he was beaten, you wouldn't be talking about him as a world champion if it was boxing. No. The only exception to the rule that I can think of that comes off the top. There are always exceptions. The main one for me is Johnny Nelson. Johnny Nelson um, was a cruiserweight. Was he a cruiserweight or a light heavy? I can't remember which one, but he was around that, not heavyweight, but sort of one or two below. After 17 professional fights, I believe his record was 5-12. and 12. He went on to be cruiserweight champion for about five years or light heavy, whichever one it was, but... He is the only exception I can think of that took a lot of losses in boxing and managed to rebound and actually have an amazing career. I think the expectation and the pathway maybe needs to be looked at. Because in, in MMA, you can literally, depending on where you are, and I won't lie, it kind of depends on Tapology's representation of records because I'm one to know, I'm not on Tapology. It depends if the fight's actually, you know, I'll reported. I'll help you with that afterwards if yeah. you want. Oh, yeah, sound, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, it depends if the fight's reported, basically. Like, massively depends if the fight's reported, but... If you look at a lot of like MMA records, you'll only really see like one or two amateur fights and then they're going pro. Yeah. Whereas in boxing, if you go into box rec, mm-hmm. there's literally an entire tab of pro results and amateur results and you'll be able to see all of it and you realize how many mm-hmm. amateur fights they have. That being have. said, in MMA, um, people compete in jiu-jitsu, people compete in kickboxing, boxing, and and then have a couple of MMA fights and then go pro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe, maybe because it's losing is built into jiu-jitsu more than more than it is like striking sports. Mm. 
maybe that's why we kind of accept losses. Like, yeah, they happen. Uh, yeah, no, and, exactly. and because it's a, like, I'm not saying boxing isn't a martial art because it absolutely is. Oh, 100 percent. But yeah. if, but maybe because jiu-jitsu is closer to a traditional martial art and Muay Thai is closer to a traditional martial art, there is that element of the you win or you learn. Mm. Like losing is the opportunity for growth and learning. Maybe I'm looking into it too much. I'm not a fighter. Yeah, I think possibly maybe to sort of build on your point, the growth of mixed martial arts sports, if we call like if we call those traditional martial arts sort of the basal mixed martial arts sports, the growth of those is kind of taken away from the popularity of boxing. Before that though, because everybody was boxing, it organically set the standards higher. That's true. I think that's possibly where it's come from. You yeah. had you have to be perfect because everybody's doing it. Yeah. So that's maybe. Yeah, that's but it maybe also harms boxing at the lower level because if you stick on a a fight, even I mean, firstly, most people don't watch the prelims for boxing cards because no, they're really. not interested because there's no story behind them. There's no yeah. nothing. Um, but then you've got a lot of boxing cards that I see come up that are free to watch. I won't mm. bother watching them because. It's like you hear you hear about these poor you, yeah no yeah I know what you mean like you don't hear about these poor guys until they're fighting for a world title. There you go. That would never happen. That's crazy, in MMA. right? Yeah, that would never happen in MMA. But crazy. These poor, these poor guys spend their whole career like, and as we've agreed, boxing's more dangerous for long-term head health. Like twice this week, I've spoken about. I think it was. I don't even think it was a <laughs> UFC uh, card, like numbered card. I think it was a fight night. A, a Leon Edwards versus Benil Dariush. Leon Edwards versus Benil Dariush. Do I mean Benil? No. Who was it that Leon Edwards poked in the eye? Bilal Mohammed. Bilal Mohammed. Bilal Mohammed, yeah. Okay. Well, I've spoken about that uh, twice this week. Just randomly, completely different conversations. They're from similar places, actually, to be fair, Dariush. Right. So, I'll, yeah, I think George Darius just is did a racism. Yeah, I think <laughs> Dariush is Lebanese, uh, similar. And then uh, Bilal Mohammed's sort of like that sort of Israel-Palestine area. But yeah, like random yeah. fights like that. And I'm not saying that everyone has to know all the fights. Not everyone has to mm. be you. But no, no. <laughs> weirdly encyclopedic with it, and I. But uh, but th- those fights get talked about. I mean, I'm not. I I don't think you have to be a hardcore fan to enjoy MMA. Oh, for sure. But it's no, a no. lot more. The random fights a lot better promoted. Mm. If you're into it, yeah. You can, if you're into it, you know, and what they'll sell you is. on it. Yeah, the UFC yeah. are very good at that specifically. Uh, yeah. So I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. So talk to me about the gap. So you're training in. Sorry, we're going back to this. I just want to catch up. You're training yeah. in Loughborough a bit with, uh, yes. with Jimmy. Okay, yeah, yeah. Are you, did you do that until the end of uni? So what happened, so it was a bit unfortunate. My second year, uh, my second year at uni was 2019 to 2020. Um, some of you guys may not know. 2020 was a bit of a shit year. Um, there was a pandemic. I was uh, there. Yeah, you were there. I was there. Uh, yeah, you know, just in case anyone's We've been, been through some, yeah, shit. just in case anyone's you know been in a fucking coma, uh, you know, like a, a Walking Dead type thing, just been like just wakes up like, yeah, why is everyone wearing masks? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, I trained. So it was really weird, right? Because again, I, I'll be to- I'm totally upfront about this. I was I was not a meathead because I'm not an aggressive person. But I definitely overestimated my ability relative to what my ability actually was. You find this a lot. There's a chart that I can't remember like the name of, but it's like a ability. So like your perceived ability versus your experience is like right up here. As soon as you start doing it, it goes all the way down. <laughs> it goes back up again as you get because you kind of start doing something. Shit, I'm actually ass at this. Um, I was I was that type of guy that like 
bit of a bit of an ego lifter, you know, liked my big weights, you know, before like nights out doing stuff like that, fucking guns and biceps, look uh it's embarrassing to talk about I was nineteen, so who cares? Um but I'd go to these sessions and probably not be like as open minded to the techniques and not maybe not be as mature in myself to accept I couldn't do something. Instead of asking for help and feeling embarrassed, like like someone like Jimmy, you can ask anything when it comes to that and he'll help you. I just didn't really know people there. Like it was very much the first time I did something by myself in a combat sports setting. So I just, I just sort of pretend to know. I'd sort of pretend to know. He'd be like, oh, yeah, this is how you do this. I'm like, yeah, fucking. And it's embarrassing to even think back to now. And it's, it's a shame as well because I stunted my own development with that. I'd be a lot better now if I maybe was more engaged with the sessions. Not only that, but I was just so ad hoc too. Like I'd, I paid the membership and it was good for like the, st- you could get like stash and all that sort of stuff. Like say you did it. And I was proper that type of guy. They'd be like, I do MMA. Do you do MMA? No. You go to kickboxing twice a week and you do a jiu-jitsu class at 8 o'clock on a Friday night and then go on a night out straight after. You do not do MMA, Jack. But back in back in university, it was like the easiest thing to be like a... It's not like the, um, you know, like the meme of that guy shouting into a girl's ear in the club and she's there like, oh, what's this cunt? I was that cunt. I was just... I don't know if you know. Yeah, don't, we've all been there. I don't know if you know. I do kickboxing twice a week you have permission to fall in love with me. Like it was a proper, like it was, it was just cringe, but it's, it, it's one of those things that you learn from. You get older, you reflect. And, um, so yeah, I trained there. I did it for a few and loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, I remember to be fair though, the first time I did like kickboxing sparring, I've got how much that shit like bruise your legs. Or, if you've never done it before, like the conditioning involved, like these days my shins are bumpy, so it's fine. But, um, there was a guy that was quite a good, like quite a good athlete. I think he was like a former swimmer, but like he'd done MMA for a while and he had proper like T-frame, like um, struggling to get through the fucking door type thing. But he was like way older than everybody too. I should mention that. Like he was not a uni student. I don't know what he was doing on campus. The fucking, there were 18 year olds in this campus. Harold, that's not his name. I'm <laughs> making, making up his name. Uh, yeah, protecting his name for identity purposes. Doug. Uh, yeah, fucking Jimmy. <laughs> not jimmy not jimmy not jimmy uh no yeah but yeah basically he i remember there was one time right he like threw a load i think i said something like i oh, go a bit can go a bit lighter on kicks and stuff like that and he was like oh shit have you got an injury or something I was like nah my legs are just bruised as shit and he was like <laughs> no <laughs> i'm just a pussy yeah literally i was like and i didn't realize this is my admission form signed by my mother i i, <laughs> I am a bitch like, and I didn't realise it and he, he literally kind of looked at me he was like oh fella this may not be the sport for you I was like ah oh, shit uh, in fairness I had like a schwem I had a massive bruise in fairness um, like it was like quite a bit even for like MMA standards like it was my entire shin was fucked so it probably shouldn't have been sparring but yeah I did that until sort of start of COVID uh, so we were going to be doing an interclub um, like, I think it was an interclub like a jits comp which I was like happy to do I damaged my back i had like um nerve damage in my lower back uh, that actually wasn't even caused by mma it was caused by just dodgy weightlifting. like i just didn't really quite warm up properly it happens I had like sciatica so i wasn't gonna do the interclub but in fairness covid happened at the same time so obviously training through covid was the hardest thing ever it was just fucking you know just you know watching white collar videos at home being like i could do that and then you know just sort of you know watching lots of combination stuff and sort of like trying to drill by myself in like my conservatory and stuff like i had a I had a boxing bag as well that like i did a lot of drills with i still actually use it for shin conditioning <laughs> like when i'm at home i'll literally just drill the fuck out of that bag um because also had you know like those um boxing buddies like like sort of like a torso 
like a torso, like a um. Oh, what's it called? It's actually got a name. It's actually got a name. It's literally just a person's torso on like a back and forth like sandbag. Oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah do you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? I can't remember what... I think it might actually be called a gym. I literally think it is called like a gym, like a sparring buddy gym right. or something. Um, but it is somewhat like that anyway. Uh, I have one of those at home that I've detached from the thing because I, it broke, but I've still got that that I conditioned my shins on too because it's, it's rock hard, so it's quite good. I did that at home for like a year and then in sort of when it was like sort of like semi reopened before the circuit breaker stuff was when I did my trial week at Lions because Jamal funnily enough signed up for white collar MMA and some of the sessions were done at Lions uh, for like a white or was it I think it was I think some of the sessions were either done at Lions or Warriors I may be mixing it up I think it is Warriors actually but I know he trained at Lions a bit um it was at Warriors, yeah. Ignore me. Uh, but yeah, he'd done a little bit of like like very entry-level MMA, you know, like the eight-week, this is how you jab, this is how you, you know. Uh, and he didn't end up doing the white-collar event in the end, but he took me to Lions and like, because we needed to be with each other anyway, because it was like friend, like household member, stuff like that. So we were like, okay, we'll just roll with each other. So you knew him from... I've known Jamal for years, went, right. to, school, went to school together. Uh, so I've known him since year seven, to be fair. Um, but yeah, no, so he kind of got into it similar in a similar sense to me, but I was at uni, so he got into it in the sense of he was actually going to do a white collar fight, just like as like an entry level. Um, yeah, and it, for me, it was more like I, I debated doing white collar, never did. I debated doing white collar boxing. Um, I never ended up bothering to do it, I'd never bothered myself. Um, but yeah, through that, it was just hard to train, it was hard to train, training was hard to come by at the time. And then when I finished year, I didn't even, because in my third year, I was going to sign up for the Loughborough MMA club, but 2020, 2021, we were in and out of lockdown all the time, weren't we? So the MMA team or like the MMA club just hardly ran. And I don't think Jimmy taught it that year. I, I don't think he did because that was a big reason why I didn't sign up. So I'm not doing a fucking us running the class ourselves. I need someone, like, if you're going to teach combat sports, you need to be qualified. Do you know what I mean? Like you need to flip in You've got to have experience. You've got to be able to like have something to draw on. Like it's it's one of those and like with someone like Jimmy, you can't go from somebody at the level of coaching a Jimmy to like just somebody that's like your mate. You know what I mean? Like your mate. Like it's just, like, it just doesn't really work. Um, so uh, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where I I did that. Didn't bother signing up because I was living. I was like hybrid remote anyway. Like I moved back home to work because I couldn't get a transfer because they weren't doing transfers because of the virus. Um, yeah. So I couldn't do a transfer. I had to live in between. So I'm not spending 200 quid for like the whole year to then just never train. Yeah. Um, so I was ad hoc as hell, but I trained at that John Skillen gym that I mentioned. Like, I trained there because uh, John, the guy who runs a really nice guy, uh, would just let me hit the bag. Like when he was nice. doing like sessions, he was basically like, oh, Jack, just hit the bag. Like you can hit the bag if you want which was really nice because it was like a proper like classic tie bag, like fucking just filled with concrete. So how does that transition work? Because you don't stand in a tie stance. I don't. I do not. No. Um, there are two reasons why I don't stand in a tie stance. Uh, one, I learned very quickly the problems that has in MMA. Uh, a, from an interclub. <laughs> that first interclub when I got taken down for fun was because I was standing, not necessarily in a tie stance, but not wide A lot enough. more square. Yeah. yeah. 
The other reason why I don't stand in a Thai stance is because I'm shit at Thai. Uh, so I don't, I Sorry, John. Yeah, no, I just naturally, I just naturally don't stand in a. It, it's not even to do with the coaching. It's just, I guess, because I just, just didn't do it click enough. With you. Yeah, yeah, I just didn't do it enough. No, I started maybe. striking via Jamie's boxing class, yeah. and when I tried to transition to Thai, it just didn't. Exactly, make sense I just me. didn't naturally do it. But at the same time, because I did Thai first, I was taught to kick. Yeah. So I've actually, funnily enough, my kicks are better. Like. Garen always tells me, stay at kicking range. If you're going to fight some, just because my kicks are a lot yeah, better. Got a, very close to a karate stance. Very close to a Which karate. I always thought you did karate. Yeah, no, Lab, Lab said this as well, because he, obviously his guy's a karate guy that he's fighting. He was there like, oh yeah, you know, you'd be someone good sparring a karate sense. And I'm like, what? But I know <laughs> what he means. I know, I, know, I know what he means now, because the way I stand, it's a lot of like moving around, moving around, yeah. sort of like a blitz in. Yeah, move around, move around. Like karate blitzes are very unique in the sense that they go from the rear hand, like they go from the rear hand, which is how it can kind of throw people off if you're not experienced. Like, um, yeah, I learned quickly if I'm going to do MMA, I can't stand with a narrow stance. And also, I, Wonderboy is one of my favorite strikers ever. So I just think right. maybe if I'm just getting like sense. a fucking love boner of seeing him strike, I was like, I really, really want to be able to have that wide stance. Because the wide stance as well naturally just helps you defend takedowns a bit. As long as you can develop a good single leg defense. you just got to get that front leg back. There's not many people that, if your legs are wide enough, unless they trick you. I'll be honest, if they trick you, fair play. Uh, like, But there's not many people that are going to be able to have the wingspan at my weight class to grasp around both legs like it's, in that. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like you pick, you got to pick your poison. Yeah, and yeah. if you are comfortable in that stance, then you know... Mm. you got to know how to defend. And especially starting late, um, especially starting late, the decisions you have to make when you start late need to be not because you enjoy them, but because they're optimal. Yeah. So I discovered very early that I fight better in that way. Mm-hmm. I would love to be a guy. I, I genuinely would absolutely love to be a guy that could be like a very... Up, I'd, I'd love to be able to fight like James. Yes. Like, that's but the best example. Not, yeah. I'm just not very good at it. I think it's because maybe my peripheral vision just isn't as good as his. Maybe, you know, I've not got the natural fitness sort of bob and weave in the way that he does, but I would love to be like a fuck you. I'm going to walk you down. I'm going to whoop your ass. I just can't do it. I feel I fight better when it's a bit more point fighty, which is boring. I'll be honest, it's boring, but what matters in this sport is wins. That first round, you were doing work. Yeah. Like, I thought you were going to get a leg kick TKO. Oh, he was hurt. Yeah, I did hurt his leg. He hurt mine though, in fairness. I actually had not, my inner leg was fucked to be fair yeah. if you haven't seen that fight the whole fight's fantastic but that first round fuck I thought for an amateur debut it was good from both of us very good yeah, very I thought good we both did both good for an amateur debut yeah which so, is why I told him not to feel bad about the loss because I was like mate you put on a show in like they're not going to be many like for considering you're going to be 0-1 that's the benefit of amateur as well is you can always turn pro if you are good and you have a shit record at amateur doesn't matter doesn't yeah. matter it's unfortunate for the people who have good records at amateur, but that's mm. the that's the 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 way it works. Sort of how the split works, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, if you look at James's overall MMA split, he's what ten and two. Yeah, he'd be ten and two. He was six and zero amateur. Yeah, six and zero amateur. So it's just, I guess, it's just unfortunate, especially mm. what happened in the Varela fight with what what I genuinely thought was an illegal knee that sort of changed. It was, but. He said that that wasn't the thing. That yeah, I know, up. I know. But even then, yeah, does the jab, does, it's one of those things where does the jab have an after if the referee stops and reprimands him? There you go. It's one of those. Um, but you yeah. can look at Melissa's record. Uh, amateur, it was, I believe it's four and three. 
And I, I know it's like one more win than loss, isn't it? It's, yeah. yeah, she won I, one it more. It was either five and four or four and three. And like all of her wins were TKO, and then all all the losses were the decisions, decisions. But they're like exactly. really close. Yeah. yeah. And now she's what five and zero. Oh? Five and zero. Oh. Yeah. So that yeah. Yeah, it's just how weird how that sort of you know the split can work. Yeah. So what's what's your plan then? So my plan, I'll be honest, is just take it as far as I can go. Um, I, I'm very aware of the facts. If I've very much, not so much in the striking aspect, but definitely in the grappling aspect, I've very much been sort of one foot in, one foot out. The problem with this sport is you need to be two feet in if you're going to get better. You need to genuinely commit to it and just accept that you're going to get, you know, going to get squashed your first few weeks. Problem I've had sort of coming back from shoulder problems is that whenever I'm grappling recently, I'm always feeling a ping in my shoulder. So it's maybe just a case of maybe don't roll for a bit, just do the technique, keep showing up. Um, that's sort of been the, the issues I've had with it recently. Do you have training partners that you trust? Yeah, yeah, I have training partners. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I think one one difficulty is that Jamal's not been coming recently because of his work, but he's always the guy that tended to roll with. Uh, so when I've been coming more recently, because I'm not as versed in the, the JIT side of the gym. Obviously, I know a lot of the regular people, but a lot of the regular people have their training partners, right? So I'll come in and I'll normally be the guy that goes with someone new which it, it can just be, that just is what it is. It's a risk. Yeah. And also, I, I just get the piss taken out of me when I turn up to them. As well. like, people like, fucking hell, are you doing no gigs right, there? So. Yeah, yeah, so, oh, what are you doing The no first gear? day you show up to gi, that is going to happen I'm gonna tenfold. I'm going to get ripped. Yeah, yeah, I know I will. I'm going to get ripped. You're wearing pyjamas today. Oh, That's hell. a like, nice belt you've got I'm there. genuinely going to have to ask her to put the belt on, which is going to add fuel to the fire. It's going to be great. And then here's um, what's going to happen is, you're going to get your blue belt and you're going to not do gi for a while and then you're going to come back just like, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah, literally. Uh, no, so I think, the yeah, I think genuinely the problem I've had is that, um, yeah, if if I, I would love to, I always set the target of being around 25. So when I started commit in a committed sense, I'm going to go, I started in a committed sense at 21. Um, I always kind of set the target in about four years time, I'd love to be at the pro level or be, you know, in a position where I can say I can take that step. I'm 23 now. That's about a year and a half till I turn 25. No, m- more like just in the two years, actually, because I'm born in November. So in about two years' time, will I be at the professional level? In a grappling sense, no. I won't be a professional level grappler. You know, in about two years, fingers crossed, I'll be a blue belt. You know, you'll get blue belts at professional level, but if they're a blue belt, they're very close on that pathway to purple, um, like some of them are. I know there are still some very high level, but they'll be on that pathway at least. In a striking sense, in a couple of years, potentially, I'll be at that level to be like, you know, a professional level striker. And in a, in a wrestling sense, a lot of my wrestling is reactive anyway, because I just, yeah, I don't always trust some of my shot selections. Um, and I always end up in single leg fights as opposed to double leg fights. And I hate single leg fights. They're so, so People are so good at defending single legs now that you have to trick them to get them down with a single leg, I find. You need to do something. Mateus Gamrot's really good at it. He actually doesn't even shoot for the leg. He shoots for the ankle. Like he actually like fucking snatches their ankle or like he'll shoot for the leg and immediately transitions to the ankle and that's how he gets a lot of his takedowns. Um, I need to like develop like a freestyle sense. My plan for this year, it's been kind of thrown in the works a bit by doing my knee in last week. Um, I was hoping to fight four times, four amateur fights. If it's three, it's three. Uh, at the same time, if I, for example, go in there in April, smoke some guy in the first round, which is what the intention is. Always the intention. If you can have an early night, fuck fighting for nine minutes. It's, tiring man um so yeah if i can smoke somebody very early doors maybe i can have a fourth this year just depends how it works um and you know depends how everything marries up with because obviously 
you know, everybody has their own careers to think about as well. If it's a case of, you know, if it's a case of, you know, if Melissa wins her next fight, which I think she will, it is the UFC after that, right? That is going to be international travel, probably. Because obviously the London cards in March, they're probably not coming back to London again this year unless it blows up. So it will be international travel. There's stuff like that to think about for the gym. As I said, it's a big year for the gym. I think it's going to be a huge year. Um, James will have his own career to think about after he gets past Mush. So it just sort of, you know, you know, it works how everybody is, how it all marries up for everybody. Because the more people in camp, the better, in my opinion. Because you'll have that intensity. You'll have that, um, you'll have that mentality of everyone's there for the same reason. Everybody's trying to help each other. And with a couple of the new guys, a couple of the new guys that have come in recently that are going to be debuting. Um, well, not, oh, is he debuting? I think he might, he might have had one already, but he's debuting under the gym's name. Um, yeah, I think we're going to be talking about a very, very good gym. I think Garen's coming back to MMA as well after like a little bit of time off. And yeah, in terms of amateur striking, you aren't going to get much better than him, I'll tell you that. His, his um, fight was, until very recently, his first fight was the best amateur fight I'd ever seen. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Back and forth. Brilliant. Because that guy as well, he's an unbeaten pro. Luke Nile. Again, it shows how weird that sort of split is. He's an unbeaten pro, isn't he? Luke is someone I'd love to have on the podcast. Yeah. No. He's a fun guy. Yeah, no, I think he's what, 2-0? Is he 2-0? I think and he's 2-0 now. Yeah. And like beating him in his amateur debut, like that shows the level that you're operating at. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I think it's going to be hopefully a big year on a personal level for myself, but a big year for the gym as a whole. And I'm, I'm to be honest, just excited to be a part of it. And that's the mentality, I think. You enjoy the process. I love the process, yeah. I think uh, once I can finally get to that position where I'm healthy, like I've been nurse, I've, I've been sort of like an athlete since I was very young. So I've got so much mileage, like stupid mileage, like injuries. Um, this is an MCL I've got here, but I've had an ACL before on my left knee. So I've now got two bum knees. Um, keep dislocating my right shoulder. And in the fight, I actually partially dislocated my left shoulder. So like I've got two bum knees, two bum shoulders. I don't really know how long I've got left. <laughs> so it's like uh, if I can do as much like if I can do as much as possible, you know, hopefully we'll be talking about Alicia having an amateur title at the end of the year. We'll be talking about me possibly in the discussion for one. Hopefully Lewis in the discussion for one. You never know, lab as well. Does coaching interest you at all? Because you've got the same encyclopedic knowledge of fighting that James does. <laughs> yeah, no, do you know what? We nearly we've nearly fell into segues like in the middle of classes like where like at the start of a class something will get mentioned and I'll jump in with it well actually no this is what and then he'll be like exactly like me and him <laughs> me and him were at, like I love a lot of things that Paddy Pimlet stands for he did not win that fight against Jared Gordon and me and James Wood like adamant we were arguing this for so long against Sam and Will like, so I'm like no he did no he didn't Jared Gordon won the fight uh, happy for Paddy for you know it's one of those um I do love coaching. I love it. I was going to be a PT. I actually uh, did my qualifications that I need to submit a couple more things before I can actually get it, you know, the diploma. Uh, but it's, so it's like a level, I did it through the pure gym pathway. It was like level two gym instructing, like level three personal training um, that I never got finished uh, because I ended up getting a job. It's a long story. Ooh. Hello, man. Um, but yeah. Coaching is something I feel like I take. I coach swimming, so after I finish my, I love, I love the, I love calling it a career because I was fifteen, but it technically was a swimming career. Funnily enough, like swimmers have like a very short athletic window where once you pass the age of like twenty five, unless you're Michael Phelps and you're a fucking freak, like you tend to be done by that age. So I finished my swimming career. I taught lessons when I was a swimming coach, um, and then 
football I never did get into football coaching because I fell out of love with football playing it I completely fell out of love with it um and then in MMA I'd love to get to a level that I could coach I'd love to get to a level where I can like draw on you know my own experiences uh, I'm more than happy to sort what you find at the gym as well because people are so like I find that being you know being approachable is like a really massive trait as part of coaching if you're an approachable coach you're going to do well as a coach a lot of people have sort of approached and asked about what that process was like for even just one amateur fight, just one. So many people have come up and asked about that process and I find drawing on that experience kind of settles a lot of people down in their mind about maybe trying to do it. Or like people asking about interclubs and be like, yeah, this is how it's supposed to work. It could end up going tits up in terms of, you know, I've seen some dings at interclubs. I've seen people break their arms. I've seen, you know, people get sparked at interclubs like badly. Like there was one in um, January last year where it, it, total accident. I, I think it was an act, but it was in the MMA one where they sort of came from a clinch and this guy just kind of threw a right hand and just didn't pull it. And he was so apologetic afterwards, but he just caught the guy bad. Uh, there was another one where a guy went to poke, poor guy, he went to post and like popped his elbow. And it's like, fuck, like this shit can just happen. But um, at the same time, you get so many amazing stories of interclubs where people have like made friends with people from other gyms and like managed to like network and like in the, you know, the sub only stuff, you just get to meet people and learn new tricks and stuff, which is what it's for. Uh, you know, stuff like that can just happen. Um, in terms of the coaching, one of my favorite days I've ever spent at Lions was when Raj asked me to cover that session, like as an emergency. Because uh, I was literally, I, you know, as well, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say this, but I was so close to binning it. Like, I, was, like, I was coming back from work, right? And I was literally there like, can I be asked to go training tonight? Can I, like in my heart, can I be asked to go? And I got a call off Raj on like a WhatsApp call and he was there like, Jack, like Dre can't make it. I've kind of looked at the list of people and you're sort of the most experienced. Is there any way you could just cover it? And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Don't mind. And I loved it. I loved the entire session. I kind of, what I find is, what I find with coaching is that, as I said, as long as you're, as long as you're yourself, as long as you're personable and just be honest with people. Like the first thing I said to everybody was like, okay, it's going to be a bit of a different session today because it's myself that's running it. We're going to do an active warm up. Basically, the situation with Dre is that he's running a bit late. He may turn up during the session and obviously he'll take over. For now, I'm going to run it. I'm going to run the session. We'll get this done. We'll get this done. And we're going to go for a couple of basic combinations that James has taught already. So for beginners, it won't be too much. For people that have been here, you can still get your work in. And I thought the session went really well. I, th- I thought it went really well. And uh, yeah, no, Raj, to be fair, he did like a discount on like, you know, the you know like the Rash Garden shorts offer. He did a discount for me, which was nice of him. I'd have done it for free. But um, no, it was it was one of those. Um, Raj will look after you. Exactly. I thought it was nice of him. And to be fair, I, I loved it. It didn't feel like work. When you're enjoying it, it doesn't feel like work, right? A lot of my mates as well, sort of back to white collar. Um, a lot of my mates actually signed up for white collar events where... I actually ended up sort of, it was over lockdown sort of stuff where we were just desperate to do any type of training. And a few of my mates really wanted to learn a bit about boxing. So because I always thought I'd go into boxing, as you said earlier, the fundamentals and the basics are actually, as long as you're articulate, which you are yourself, you can teach it. Like you can teach the fundamentals. It's when you go into more advanced stuff that you need to be careful. Um, so I taught like we. I'd run like you got to know like yeah. You got to know where where your level. Yeah, stops. exactly, exactly. There's a level of there's a level that I will teach to. Beyond that level, I'll hold my hands up and say, go to somebody that's either done it or somebody that's like 
you know what well, I mean? Well, my aim with the kids is to get them to the point where as adults they can step up and exactly. hand, them, hand them off to James. Exactly. Melissa, Mark, yeah. and et cetera. Exactly. Because Literally. once you have the basic concepts, you can kind of grasp everything. Yeah. Um, so I ran a few sessions with a few of my good mates and hilarious. So the banter was, the banter was that I was their coach. It was never that I was their coach. It was actually just a case of, you know, I, I knew more because I'd just been doing it longer. Um so, because the reason I'm saying this is that they, they had like a banter thing of like a coach's record uh, from like the white collar stuff. Obviously, white collar, it's a, it's a great event for what it is. Um, but at the same time, if you're looking to go into genuine full contact, I wouldn't really recommend white collar as a pathway. I'd just recommend just get yourself to a gym and just get training. Just do the work. Exactly. I wouldn't really recommend white collar as a pathway because you have eight weeks where you don't really necessarily get in the best shape unless you commit to it. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Kai ended up winning one and losing. He did two events. He won one and lost one. Stratos won. Ariston won, like a few of my mates. So it was like a coaching record of like three and one or something. Like it was like, yeah, he's got a positive coaching record. Uh, So that was like a banter thing. But I loved running those sessions as well. Like in just sort of, you know, trying to draw on, trying to draw on my understanding of the sport. It made me a little bit better. It made me a little bit better for it. So that's something I'd love to go into. Would you do it full time? Uh, Yeah, I'd love to. That's sort of the ethos behind PTing. The idea was to kind of have PT in as a supplementary thing to actually commit into martial arts. The unfortunate thing was, was the, I just think starting an enterprise, starting an entrepreneurship is difficult. It yeah. requires a lot of investment. Yeah. I, I had savings, but I've got my own personal goals that I want to achieve before I go into that, right? Like I want to get my own flat. I want to move out and get all this sort of stuff. Um, all that sorts of stuff. I just didn't quite have the cash at the time to be able to fork out a few grand to sort of get like an, like an enterprise going. Plus, a massive part of personal training these days is how you generate leads. My follower, my follower count on Instagram, in my opinion, if you want to be, if you want to be successful straight away, which is sort of what I was hoping for, to be successful straight away, to be able to like a substitution for a full time job, you kind of need a following there already, right? I didn't have that following there already, and that's what I realised, which is why I thought, you know what, take your time, get a job, actually do it yourself first. Slow growth, yeah, exactly. If I can. We're talking 10, 15 years time. If I'm like mid, late 30s, sort of winding up my own career, that's when it would be like a perfect time to be like, okay, this is what I've done. Like, do you know what I mean? That's sort of how I can see it. But I'd love to coach outside of that. But doing it as like a full-time job, I think it'd be great to... The best coaches are people, in my opinion, the best coaches, like look at, you can look at football teams, you can look at any team. Normally it's like former players, right? That end up being coaches. Like, I think... That is the rule. Exactly. There are exceptions. Always exceptions. But but that is the rule. Yeah. Which is why I think what makes people like James, Melissa, such good coaches, because they're they're kind of living it at the same time and they're reacting to their own experiences all the time. So like James can tell you thing one month, he'll have his fight, something could happen in the fight and then he'd be like, oh, so I learned this in the fight. So you could do this as well. Like It's it's also, it's just a lesson in humility is that they're mm. willing to do that they're willing to change their minds yeah there's nothing better than somebody like saying that you had an effect on them as well nothing better than that than being able to be like ah oh, you know you shouted this out during my white collar fight and i did it and it worked yeah or like uh you know somewhat like uh, stratos now actually does muay thai eight limbs and he never did any combat sport before and he's actually into it now like he's Brilliant. been graded so it's like to know i had a bit of an effect there like yeah it's a good feeling man Brilliant. Yeah. Just to start generating those leads. Yeah, 100%. Where, where can people find you? Where can people find me? Uh, so my Insta, I'm thinking about turning it into a professional account. I haven't done it yet. 
uh, because I'm very I'm very tentative with what I say, just sort of at the stage of development I'm at. But uh, my, I mean, it's free. Like honestly, it just gives you more tools. The professional, yeah, no, exactly. No yeah, it just lets it. you see engagement, doesn't it? Stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but yeah, my Insta's uh, J when he asks you ninety nine, or it might be J dot when he asks you ninety nine. I don't even know. I don't use it much. Uh, J when he asks you ninety nine, um, and yeah, that's pretty much the main outlet I have. I don't really use my Twitter that much, but yeah, if on Insta, that would be the best place to find me. Yeah fantastic jack this has been absolutely brilliant i look forward to you coming on at some point in the future yeah we'll, we'll have to have like a yearly catch-up and see where i'm at it would either be jack it's been a great year or what the fuck what happened what jack? Have you been doing? <laughs> come on yeah no it's been an absolute pleasure we'll get, we'll really get you on with it. the boys at some point as well oh 100 i will love that so much yeah, yeah. the uh, i will fight to come podcast yeah. series coming second episode coming soon yeah um yeah remember to like comment subscribe hit the bell follow favorite review all of that shit. Look at the Patreon. You'll get nothing for it. Costs a quid a month. Um, if you fancy sponsoring the podcast, that'd be amazing. I've got some very cheap slots going because no one's sponsoring me at the minute. Um, I hope you guys have a good week. Jack, thank you once again for Thank you very me. much. It's been an absolute pleasure.